This is the Doctor. President-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone for Jimmy, baby? I'm the Doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castorbrus. Hey, who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 97. 97. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, welcome to episode 97. Your TARDIS team is here to give you all the latest news, chat, waffle, merch, and all that stuff. We hope you've had a cracking week since last week. And um, based on last week... Uh, I hope you actually, um, you guys got around to watching our review episode, which was well, the long game. No, we last on. week's. Oh, the Sea Devils. The Sea Devils. <laughs> God, I'm half asleep already. <laughs> <laughs> boing boing. Yes. Uh, yeah, the Sea Devils. Brilliant. Yes. Um, there's one of those things where when we because we go week to week, don't we? Uh, classic new, classic new. And when we've done a classic review, I always think to myself, you know, how many people listen to the show? After they listened, thought, yeah, I'm going to give that a go because mm. um, especially the, I'm not going to pigeonhole anyone, but especially the younger audience of Who, um, perhaps not, may not have ventured into the classic years as yet. Yeah, I so, know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So if you've listened to our podcast and we've gone through any of the classic stuff and you've enjoyed, hopefully that's prodded you a little bit to uh, to pick up some of the classic stuff. And The Sea Devils is a great one. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I like the thought of that. I like the thought that somebody might uh, give that a go sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Like we do with um, a, a Big Finish, I guess. Um, we talk about Big Finish a lot on the show. Um, yeah. And if you've not delved into that yet, dive headfirst into the, the awesome world of audio Big Finish, then hopefully you've taken a step. Really I must good. admit, it's amazing that... Actually, when I look at just like my Twitter feed, for example, there used to be like a sort of um, sort of hardcore group of big Finnish people, and now it seems to be like almost every other tweet is like so much big Finnish on my Twitter feed now, which is great. I don't think obviously a lot of people have jumped on board, uh, maybe because of the hiatus as well. They just need that, you know, that big Finnish fix, uh, that Doctor Who yep. fix. I mean, so yeah, it's good that we've got them to tide us over. Um, but it's rattling around though, isn't it? I mean, you know, we, we're thinking a year of Adult Two, we're already like well over halfway through the year so that's true you know, yep. it's fast approaching yep and very annoying last week because when we came around to um doing the news and so on uh we said to you guys there's no news it's very dry mm. at the minute there's nothing going on because and, and i remember saying we've normally looked forward to a few set bricks and stuff yeah and we're not going to get that and literally minutes after we finish recording um yeah, they start putting out set pics of Pearl on set and um, that's right, yeah. Matt Luke and stuff. We're like, oh, for crying out loud! You couldn't have like put that out like half an hour early or an hour <laughs> early or something. So um, they look quite cool. They, there's a video as well. There's um, there's a video of Pearl on set. Yeah, I've, I've and, been quite enjoying watching watching these little clips, and um, there's been quite a lot of photos actually from the first. Yeah. sort of few days of uh, shooting um yeah it's almost i mean I, I i've said this before i'm not bothered about spoilers but i know some, some people are and um 
without sort of giving anything away for those who haven't seen the pictures, I think there was a slight spoiler in the terms of snow, wasn't there? I was thinking, oh, that that suggests something. I'm trying to be really candid because I don't want to ruin anything for anyone. <laughs> I know what you but, mean. Uh, yep. But yeah, there's, but I mean, I'm loving it. I'm just like, oh, that could mean this is happening. And, and I'm you know, loving it. And I'm loving it. Yep. Yeah. And Capaldi's costume, obviously, we've got to see what the, what the Doctor is going to be looking like in Series 10. And... Um, I mainly approve. I don't know about you. Mainly pretty, approve. Yeah. Um, yes, he's still got approve, the big crazy hair, isn't he? I, I approve the crazy hair. I don't approve of the blimmin' hoodie thing being no, back. No. Um, but uh, but I do, I kind of like the way it's all become one as part of his costume in a way. So, yeah, I am I do approve. I think he's looking like a rocking, rocking the look so far that we've seen. Yes. Yeah. Looks I'm trying not good. to say too much. I don't want to, I know some people just don't want to know anything. So it's difficult, isn't it? I'm trying not to try not to say anything. <laughs> yeah, it, it it looks um it looks very much like uh like visually, like they're finding their way um mm. with his look and so on because it has changed even though he hasn't how many this is what his third series now, isn't it? Yeah. So in that time his look has changed. Oh, massively. But if you look you know? at Series 8 with the short hair and he was very smart and he sort of got a bit grungy and yep. that in Series 9. And this is a kind of mix between the two, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. And his hair's, um, he went, yeah, went from the very short, neat hair to the big, crazy hair. Mm. Um, and there was one episode, wasn't there, where it cut back between different scenes and he had short oh. hair, long hair, short hair. What was that one? The uh, Flatline, wasn't it? Flatline. Where he's trapped the, in the TARDIS. The little, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. The hair plays a big part, clearly. He's doing a, he's doing a John Pertwee, isn't he? He's going more and more bouffant as the, as the series goes on, I think. Yeah. Uh, did you also, um, I don't know whether I should say this or not. What? I don't think it's, no, it's not a spoiler thing, but did you notice that he was wearing some sunglasses? Yes. Now. And my heart sank big time, but, but I think yep. they were just his actual sunglasses because I haven't seen him wearing them for filming. Um, they look <laughs> so I'm very hoping similar, they're just, they, Well, they do. <laughs> They do. Yeah, I did. That's the first thing, the first picture I saw of him actually had the, the sunglasses and the hoodie. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to see either of those back. Um, but uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm, have a feeling they might have just been his own casual wear. Could be wrong, but yeah, I'm hoping. Hoping so. I'm so. fed up with those blooming glasses. He's got a new Sonic now. Doesn't need those silly glasses. Exactly. We don't need them. Yeah. Bugger off. And, and of course, we've seen Matt Lucas on set in his duffel coat. Hello. He's got his body back. He has, yes. He's been reattached. Little round body. Yeah. He's back. It'd be interesting to find out how that's happened or if it's a timey-wimey thing where they visit him before that all happened. But, yeah, now you see, I thought that's what it's going to be and then someone pointed out, ah, but he didn't know who the Doctor was when he met him, so it can't be. Oh, true, it's like, yeah. oh. Yeah. You know what? I think the Doctor's just going to use that blimmin' new Sonic and open up that awful robot suit and he's just going to be in there. He'll just step out with that death <laughs> and he'll be like, oh, there you go. Solved. Mm. Oh, that, no, surely not. Surely not. Um, quite looking forward to finding out, though. Um, yeah, we have. Yeah, we, have, we, we didn't really speak favourably of Matt Lucas's return as Nardo. Um, but the more I see and stuff, you know, I'm just more intrigued now more than anything to, to see how this whole thing has come about. Yeah, me too. And although I although I just said I love spoilers, I do. Um, I am slightly worried about getting too much information between now and next year because we are still quite a long way off, aren't we? Um, and I like just these little tidbits here and there. I love all that, just getting the odd little bit. But um, I've already sort of seen some bits where fans have filmed whole little scenes 
and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know. There's a, there's a bit of a line. I like I like little bits, little spoilers, but I am worried we're going to get a bit too much yeah, uh, yeah. before it actually airs because I've already sort of got a bit of an idea of what's going on just from what I've seen. Anyway, we'll see. But I am I'm getting a bit of a buzz about it now. Yeah. Yes. Further and, news for us too. Sorry, go on. What's going to say? No, I was just going to say, and also Stephen Moffat's been. Um, <laughs> I was going to say he's been mouthing off a lot in the. That's the wrong phrase. He's been chatting a lot. Um, recently about regrets. I don't yes. know if you've yep. you noticed this. Seems to be quite a few articles going out where um, I read one this morning where he was saying that he, you know, Series 7 was a really miserable time and it was really mm-hmm. difficult and he regretted the way he started Series 9 and I was thinking, oh dear, it's almost as if the moth, now he's leaving, it's like he's he's really being reflective and looking back at what, what he could have done better and which is a natural thing, you know. I think we all do that, don't we? We always look back and think, oh, I wish I'd have done that or, you know. Yeah, hindsight is a wonderful thing exactly yeah he probably feels like um just like any of us really when we look back on things i, I think a lot of people do it during their school and college years mm. when you look back and you think oh i probably could have put a bit more effort in there or i could have done this a bit better or whatever but that's only natural i guess but it is um it's a sobering thought though to think that because when we you and i had seen him um a couple of times at things and you know hear him speak about his enthusiasm and how great he thinks everything was and you know to hear him now speak about it in this way where he's you know he's potentially not very happy with how certain things went and how he handled Mm. things it's um yeah we're only human yeah it would be interesting if he did a book like uh russell t davis wouldn't it you know where russell did that book where he just talked through all of his time on 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 doc two um what he what he had planned and all that oh yeah the writer's tale that's it. I couldn't think what it's yeah. called. Right? So, I mean, no matter what you think of the moth, the showrunner, if he did a book like that, it'd be fascinating, I think, oh, just yeah. to know all yeah. the different things he... Because he is quite adventurous in his writing as well. And I think sometimes, and he said this before, he'll have all these ideas he would love to do, but he just knows the budget won't stretch to it. So he sort of has to find a way around that and they often get watered down and changed. And yeah, I'd be quite interested to to see a book by him. I don't, don't think we'll ever get it, but you never know. Yeah, and I'm wondering if um, his last sort of uh, his last batch of stuff um, that he's going to put out now, so the Christmas special and Series 10 next year, whether he's going to throw a bit more caution to the wind and just go for it a bit more and, you know, some of the stuff that he's put out, especially in the Matt Smith years, mm. were... Um, a little bit wishy-washy, a bit fan servicey, and a little bit, yeah. you know, um, it's some great stuff as well. Don't get me wrong, but um, yeah, just a plenty of moffatisms in there that weren't that great. So I'm hoping that in this, the new stuff that he's going to do is last outing. If you like, he's just going to go sod it. You know, I'm just going to do this, do it my way, do it the way I want to do it, and yeah, yeah hopefully, hopefully it will be all right. Um, so yeah, the moth, the moth. Yeah, yeah. It does bring it does bring an exciting unpredictability to it. I do like that. Yeah, it's cool. Mm. Further news. Yeah, you and I stopped moaning, didn't we, a few week, a few days ago? <laughs> well, yeah. We, well, we stopped moaning about one thing. Yeah, about one thing. Yeah, we um after weeks and weeks and weeks of us uh, hovering over the the book button for London Film and Comic Con, we did it. <laughs> yeah, we did it. We did it. We um we manned up. And, yeah. and just did it. So uh, we were we were tweeting each other, weren't we, just for a little while, saying, have you done this yet? No, <laughs> I'm planning on doing it. I'm just waiting for to do something. I'm going to do it. 
And then it would be like, so did you do it? No, I'm going to do it later though. <laughs> so, yeah, this has been going on for about six months and <laughs> just <laughs> doing and throwing. Have you booked it yet? No, I'm doing it today. Oh, okay. Have you booked it? No, I'm doing it tomorrow. <laughs> yes. And I think the thing that prompted it was, uh, I think I, I tweeted you and said, right, are we going to do this or not? And you were like, yeah, I'm just going to wait because that's a big announcement. Um, uh, they're going to announce uh, some big uh, announce some big star there a few days ago. And I thought to myself, right, if they're going to do that, that might then prompt like a load of people to start booking tickets and we'll be caught with our trousers down because <laughs> we'll, we'll then go to do it and it'll be like, we're yeah. sold out again. So uh, we did it. What was the pattern that they, that they announced this big? Oh, it was um, Jeremy Renner, wasn't it? That's it. Yeah, He's quite a big one. He is a big one. He's yeah, a, he's a good scoop for them, isn't he? I mean, it, yeah. It, I'm, wasn't, it, you know, I was hoping it might have been obviously a Doctor Who guest, but of course they're high, aiming for big Hollywood blockbusters. So I think a lot of people were really pleased with that announcement. Yeah. And it yeah. no doubt did push the sales of the tickets up, I should imagine. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, but we got ours now. We don't have to worry. We're safe. We're in. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, we're not there all weekend. We're there on the Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. What's that? Sunday the 31st? 30... 31st, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're there out and about that weekend, you want to um, catch up, have a chat, geek out on some who, let us know. We'll be there. Did we'll you get there. the um, afternoon ticket in the end? No, I got the full. Oh, you did get the full? Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. What did you get? That was, well, no, I got the full as well. Oh. I know I know, I won't get there before 12. <laughs> I know what I'm like. But um, but no, I did, I, I did get the full just in case they have a photo shoot early. Um, and I need to, you know, one that I want. There's only about two or three people I, I want to get a photo shoot with, but... I couldn't risk it getting the afternoon one in case. You know. True, true. Yeah. So looking forward to that. Yeah. You've been up to anything else, buddy? No, I did get, I mean, I'd, I've got the Phantom um, signing coming up this weekend. Oh, yes. Um, yep. With Bonnie, Peter Purvis and... Uh, in Chiswick. And, in Chiswick. Yep. Um, so looking forward to that. And I also bought one for the, they just announced that Tom Baker's going to be at their August event. So I also bought a ticket for that. Uh, they haven't announced any other guests for it yet, but I just thought... Mm any opportunity to be with Tom again. I know I've met him a couple of times, but um, I just love Tom. So yeah, I bought a ticket for that. I mean, for the sake of a tenor, I just thought, just get it, you know, just get it, go and hang out with some fellow who fans and meet Tom Baker, you know, can't go wrong. So, yeah. so yeah, apart from that, Good not time. too much. I haven't had a chance. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to watch much who this week. Um, I was really late watching the review app. I've only just managed to get that watch. So it's been a bit of a busy week. Um, haven't managed to get much. in. I did polish off the, uh, Vampire of the Mind, the big finish, Master, oh, cool. second yeah. part of the Master trilogy, which, um, yeah, was good. I enjoyed that. Um, so I've got the third part to listen to now. I think that's called The Two Masters, isn't that's it? That's right, yep. Yes. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that brings the other two audios together. Um, but yeah, apart from that, not much, mate. Um, Manoral cool. Block arrived. Oh, nice. Um, nice. Which looks very nice next to the confession dial. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty excellent. pleased with that. I have to say, Rubber Tour are really good at getting their stuff out. I think... They they literally arrived like two days later, and it was the same with the confession dial. It's they're yep. pretty good at getting stuff out to you. Um, I was thinking of doing a review of it, but I was looking at it the other day, thinking it would probably be a really short review because I can't <laughs> think of much to say apart from it looks really nice. <laughs> like, I was just, like looking at it, thinking I can't really, I can't really think what to say about it. It's just like yeah, it's it's really nice. It's detailed and nice and, and it. yep. <laughs> just, yeah, so i don't know whether to review it or not i might do but i'll see but it is nice yeah cool no it is nice isn't it <laughs> yeah it is what about it's you mate not... you've been up to any who uh any who um not really um well yes yes and no i've um i watched a couple of classics over the over the past week um 
I wa- oh, last night, in fact, I watched uh, The Five Doctors. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know, this, this is such a silly thing, but I always regret not mentioning how much I love the music when we did our review of The Five Doctors, because it's right. one of the things I absolutely love about it, is that it's, the, it's instrument music. But yeah, that's a good one, though, isn't it? If you're in the mood, Five Doctors. Yeah, it's great. And just, oh, it's good just story. good fun, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, started reading through the Target book. Um, oh, brilliant. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I flicked through it very quickly when I first got it, um, and I've started to go through it now. It's a cracking book. It is so good. Really good. If you guys have not got this, it's the big um, – uh, it's like the reissue. It's called The Target Book, uh, a history of the Target Doctor Who books by um, uh, David Howe. Um, it's a really good read, really detailed history, loads of info. Really enjoying it so far. Yeah, it is an absolutely cracking. But I've I've got the original, but I am going to get that new issue as well, just to have the extra yeah. little bits and stuff. It's a cracking book. Yeah, very good. Um, and I've also been on a bit of a merch spree. Oh right. Well, I say a spree, not really a spree, mm. just a single item. Um, you've heard of the Robert Harrop stuff, right? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I ordered my first one, <gasps> and it arrived this morning. Really? God, that's quick. Literally, um, about half an hour before we start recording. Um, and oh, I'm trying to guess which it is. This is really <laughs> exciting because I love the Robert Harris stuff. Well, a lot of it. And I haven't bought any of it yet because there's just so much I want. So which yeah. one have you got, I wonder? Yeah, I it's took not, the plunge. Please tell me it's not the 10th Doctor. It's not. Thank no. God for that. Oh, but, God, because no. he doesn't look that good. Okay, go on then. Yeah, so I was looking through the website and I was thinking, there are so many good ones. You know, they're, they're really mm. good. Um, but I thought I'm going to start off quite, quite reserved, quite conservative. And um, this little guy, he also um, featured in last week's episode. It is the I Sea Devil. I knew it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. He is unbelievable. Oh, he is brilliant. Listeners, I wish you could see this. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> he's really good. I'll put some pics up on Instagram and Facebook after we've done recording. But um, yeah, he, he he's just he's brilliant. He's a really good weight. You know, he's a nice little sort of weighty mm. statue. And the detail on it is just unbelievable. Um, so if you've not checked out the Robert Harrop stuff yet, I'll stick a link somewhere. Um, yeah, I, I think this might have just kickstarted a little expensive yeah. trend, I think. Mm. Um, so I think I'm next, I think I'm eyeing up either Sutek or Davros. Um, but yeah, he looks amazing. He's really He's good. brilliant. I was going to say, cause yeah, oh, I, I, funny enough when we were reviewing Cedars last week, I was thinking, yeah, I'd love to get, get some, cause I've only got the little five inch figure. <laughs> Um, but he looks he looks brilliant. Yeah, yeah. he's perfect as well. I like the likeness and even the eyes, you know, even it's just everything is down to the tiniest detail. I um, can just imagine uh, your other half's face without you having that in the bedroom, <laughs> just uh, just staring at you in the middle of the night, pointing I'll, his gun at you. I'll put this on the headboard. <laughs> just, just a fub. Yeah, I obviously won't do that. But no, I'm very jealous. That is absolutely brilliant, mate. I love it. It's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. um. Yes, could be a bit expensive. I think it wasn't too bad actually. I think this one was sixty quid. Okay, what's their yeah. postage like? Are they does it bump up the price like the rubber tail, or are they not too bad? Not too bad. No, not at all. Um, I uh-huh. I paid um, second class, and I think that was like two pound ninety five. And it comes all well boxed and stuff. Oh it? yeah, really well packaged. Yeah, like a out of box mm. with loads of bubble wrap, and then he's in the proper like Doctor Who box in polystyrene and stuff. Yeah, he's fine. 
Because you see, you're, yeah. this is a slippery slope. You're right. You're going to think, well, I'll tell you what, that Sea Devil, he'd, he'd go really well with that Robert Harrop TARDIS that they did. Oh, <laughs> and he'd, he'd look great next to Sutek. Yeah. 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 Because no, I'll tell you, I love this stuff. There, there are one or two, they never quite get the doctors right. That's the only thing we'll say. There's one or two that they just haven't quite got, which are normally the doctors, but their yeah. other stuff looks fantastic. I'll tell you the one I've got my eye on is, um, is the Malice. Malice from oh, uh, the, yep. awakening, the awakening yeah. such a yep. str- i never would have imagined that they would do that um and he's quite limited and uh, they've just released him alongside davros i think yes um, yep. and i was looking at him the other day thinking oh i'd really like that on my <laughs> shelf that's about to collapse <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah oh sea devil good choice yeah very really good, good choice yeah yeah uh, other than that it's been quite a quiet week for who yeah yeah mm. um so yeah, actually, yeah, I'll stick a, a, a link to um, the Robert Harrop stuff because uh, we saw some of his stuff up close, didn't we, at the festival last year? That's right. Yeah, and um, the the doctors, especially, I don't know if you guys have seen the new Tenth Doctor statue. Bless him. Yeah. You know, it, the, from the neck down, it's fine. <laughs> uh, the neck down is totally fine, but the likeness in the face is, uh, yeah. They would have been really awkward if that had been the one you'd have bought. I said it, I would have been like, I don't know if I would have been like, like sort of said diplomatically oh it's um oh it looks better than i thought or whatever I would have said, oh god i'm sorry gary yeah. it's terrible it's uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty bad but um, the yeti is great that's the other one the oh yeti. the yeti yeah that's the one we saw Amazing. at the festival and i wanted to i wanted to yeah i wanted that one i want that one i want it on that one <laughs> right yeah. let's land this puppy okay let's do it and do some, yeah, let's do some news Adam. Hello there. Do you like dressing up in women's clothes? Um, normally only at the weekends. Normally at the weekends, okay. <laughs> why, why so? Why? Because um, one of uh, a US clothing line uh, called Hot Topic has bagged an award um, for their Doctor Who uh, clothing line. Uh, unfortunately for you and I, it's women only. Oh, okay. Unless we're into wearing dresses and all that stuff. It's more um, the fact I'd never get into them. Even if I wanted to, <laughs> I'd never fit into these. Anyway. Anyways, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, over in the US, um, they have this uh, um, association called the International Licensing Industry Merchandisers Association. Uh, you and I, <laughs> you and I know it very well as Lima. Oh, yeah. Not very well, but we know <laughs> it, actually. No, we never heard of it. So, um, yeah, this Cloverline Hot Topic have won the Lima Award. Um and it's the Licensed Program Retailer Award uh, for all of their Doctor Who products that they won. And they won this award back in 2014. Okay. Um, so they obviously lost it last year, but they're back in the saddle, and now they've got the cup. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, the ladies, the girls, our female listeners out there, um, I honestly don't know if you can get it shipped over here. I honestly don't know. Um, but I can see from a, from a girl's perspective, it does look pretty cool. There are some good bits. I was going to say, are these the guys that did that very fetching Six Doctor female outfit? It was basically the Six Doctor outfit, but tailored for 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 women because that that actually worked 
surprisingly well. You must know the one I mean. Yes. Like a very tailored with the arms missing. Really pretty pretty good. But you wouldn't think so, but it is. I don't know if it's the same guys, is it? Um, do you know what? I honestly don't know because I don't no. really go on to their website very no. often. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, some of the stuff that they do, like I said, I can see from a from a woman's perspective, is very, very cool. Um, like some of the dresses that they do and skirts and socks and vests and all stuff uh, is really, I mean, they do, they have got some, um, some like guys, Doctor Who stuff on there, but it's not unique to them. If you like, it's just stuff that they've bought from the BBC America warehouse or whatever, but some of their own lines, you know, some of their own licensed women's clothes. Look pretty cool. If you're, you're a female Whovian over in the U S representing, looks really good. I gotta say, I, I checked out when you sent me this this news link this morning. I checked. There's a little promotional video for it, um, which yeah. I checked out. I have to say, that the the music on it is quite distracting and not in a good way. <laughs> but uh, no. yeah, there's like a little um, like Tom Baker scarf inspired cardigan, um, for example. Mm-hmm. There's a, which is probably I don't know, perhaps one of the less tasteless items. But there's there's some rather nice sort of dark clothing with the Gallifreyan symbols on it which is a bit more subtle, if you like. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think I can imagine, you know, if, you, if you've if you got the right... Um, uh, you could you could rock this look, let's put it this way, if, you, if you're a, if you're a Whovian. In, Absolutely. In the, yeah. yeah. Mm. Good stuff. So another award goes to a Doctor Who-themed person, stroke company, stroke association, stroke retailer, stroke delete is appropriate. Yeah. It's all good. And that's all for news. We really like the only other thing that we've seen really is like we said earlier, some of the set picks and so on. Yeah. Uh, from series 10, not really going to go into too much detail with that because we haven't really seen that much just people in big puffer jackets in between filming scenes. That's all right. Um, so yeah, that's all for news. Let's get the Daleks in though. Yeah. We, they, they, they've been waiting, haven't they? They have been patiently outside because we have got some merch to do. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Comics. Can't get enough comics. Titan comics, in fact. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty good one. You're out next week. Um, what's next week? Wednesday, uh, the 6th of July. Uh, a crossover. A Doctor crossover story. Um, Supremacy of the Cybermen mm. is out next week, um, which uh, uh, starts a, um, a new story with the 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th Doctors. Yes. All in one story, uh, which is good. Um, so it's like a... Um, obviously, because uh, this this year is the 50th anniversary of the Cybermen that's right. Their introduction into here, isn't it? So, mm. um, as expected, um, uh, a lot of people will be doing, you know, the whole Cybermen thing. Uh, so, Titan are no different. So, they've themed uh, this new story around the Cybermen. And uh, synopsis is as follows uh, Exiled from Gallifrey at the very end of time, uh, Rassilon, fallen leader of the Time Lords, has been captured by the last of the Cybermen. Now the Cybermen have access to time travel. With it, every defeat is now a victory. Every foe is now dead or cyberized. Mm. Uh, Titan Comics 2016 Doctor Who event and the biggest Doctor Who story of the year begins here. 
Mm. So it does sound very dramatic and very, um, uh, very uh, TV show themed as well. Some of the screenshots yeah. um, uh, that we've got, um, uh, we got sent a preview of this from Titan. I haven't actually read it yet, um, but some of the screens that they sent over with it has uh, is, is got um, uh, the Sisterhood of Khan. Um, it's all very, um, uh, very true to the whole Gallifrey and time war thing um so it feels very much like um like a day of the doctor very canon very tv show like story um it'd be interesting to see how it all crosses over with each doctor yeah um and uh all the companions are there as well so rose captain jack um some others as well gabby cindy and alice now if you don't know who these are these are companions that have been with the some of the other doctors in their other Titan comic stories, mm. so they're in there as well with some of the more well-known um, companions as well. So um, once again, another opportunity for you to dive into the Titan Doctor Who comic uh, stuff if you've not uh, ventured there before. Uh, these been going for a year or two now, um, and this also ties in um, sort of loosely with um, uh, the Doctor Who comics day that Titan do every year. Um, and this particular uh, date for this year is a few days after, so Saturday, July 9th, um, will be the Titan comic, uh, Doctor Who Comics Day. And that's when they do like these events at all these all the larger sort of comic book chains and so on, um, where they have um, writers and artists go and do signings and, and all that stuff. Um, and I think this year they're going to add some more stuff in there. So there's going to be um, things like additional... Um, additional stories, special editions of the stories, um, some extra merchandise and so on. So that could be quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are if you can get it, it no, it's normally at the larger Forbidden Planet stores. Yeah. So normally the London one, um, Bristol, Liverpool, um, some of the others. Um, if you can get out to any of those um, and, and bag some of the Titan stuff, you're more than likely, you know, going to pick up some extra stuff to go with it as well, uh, which is really good. So, um, yeah. Supremacy of the Cybermen is out next week. Uh, you can get it um, digitally, or you can get it in a comic book shop if that's your thing, um, which hopefully it is. Uh, and then a few days later, com- uh, Doctor Who Comics Day by Titan. Mm, they look very good, actually. They look really good. Yeah, I do like the screenshots. Mm. Okay, um, this was released yesterday or today, or it depends when you listen to the podcast, but Doctor Who Magazine, issue 501. So I've only just finished reading issue 500. I don't know about you. There was so much in it. It's a brilliant issue. But this this one, issue 501, focuses on the fourth Doctor himself, Tom Baker. So it's an entire issue dedicated to him. Hmm. And it's basically like one massive long interview with him uh, split into seven parts. And it's quite it's quite a nice idea, actually, this. They've sort of, rather than just do sort of like one big interview, they've kind of did it, done it in different locations at different times mm-hmm. um, and spoke to different people with him as well. So, that, you know, like, for example, there's one bit where they're chatting to him, you know, in, in big, a big finish and uh, then they're talking to him in his local pub. And it's, I'll tell you, I was reading this last night and it is it is a really, really fantastic issue because I opened it up. It comes with some art cards as well. It comes with some little extras. So it's in one of those like uh, sleeves. What do you call that? That that you have to sort of cut open. Oh, yeah. The um, 
Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, so it comes in a, a poly bag. That's it. That's the word I was looking for. Um, comes with four art cards, two classic mini posters, although actually it's just one poster, but double-sided, uh, and a multi-doctor doctor poster, which is absolutely beautiful. So they're going to do... So you've got sort of part one. So you've got the first six doctors on this side of the poster, and I'm guessing next month you'll get the other right. side of it. It's yeah. really, really nice. But, um, yeah, I opened this up last night, and initially I was thinking, go a whole issue of just Tom Baker, you know, what about all the other stuff? And I, I wasn't sure. But I tell you what, once I started reading this, he's so fascinating, Tom, and he's so honest as well. Like, they talk a lot about Lala Ward and, and stuff like that. And he's, mm-hmm. yeah, he's incredibly interesting. Um, completely bonkers, as you'd expect, but but also very, very to the point and gives a really great insight into into his time on Doctor Who and also as him as a person. And um, I'll tell you, I just can't recommend this issue enough. I really, really enjoyed reading this last night. So it's got some great extras with it. It's uh, five ninety nine, and it uh, should be in the shops now. It's uh, pretty much got released yesterday, so it is in the shops. Yeah, I saw it very yeah. briefly in Sainsbury's, and I wish I would have picked it up now. It's um, really good. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll get that today. Um, and it's cool that um, that they sort of not um, allowing themselves to peak at issue five hundred. Mm. You know, they've they haven't gone back to just the standard format. There, you know, they're continuing the celebration, if you like, um, with another special edition. Which is yeah, really good, that's right. um, and it's um, I, I'm not really. Uh, this might sound a bit weird, but I, I almost get a little bit upset or depressed when I read interviews with Tom Baker because he does say some quite. Um, I mean, if anyone has listened to the Big Finish um, interview that they put out um, a few years ago, it's called Tom Baker at Eighty, yeah, um, which is a cracking um, interview with him and Nicholas Briggs. Um, where they talk about his life and all that stuff. And back then when they did that, when he was 80, he says things like, you know, I'll, I'll be dead soon. He does you keep know? on about and, death. Yeah. You know, and and he's, he, he always goes on about he's had a great life and when he's soon gone and, you know, all that. and I think myself, no, no, it's just such a heartbreaking thing to, I mean, it, from his point of view, it's it must be, he I honestly can't put myself in his shoes to be able to say things like that, you know, to mm. to sit back and just appreciate the life you've had and now just sort of await await death, if you like, and not really worry, be worried about it. It's just, you know, another thing. Um, but it's just heartbreaking to hear or to read in interviews with him because he does say it quite frequently. He leans towards that thing about, um, y- y- you know, the, all the people that are now involved in who and, He's just sitting back and enjoy until he until he goes and all this. And I'm like, no. Well, he's even had his own gravestone made, hasn't he? He's got his own gravestone. Really? Yeah, but he said he left it at his last house. He said he, there's oh, a bit in one you. of the interviews. He's like, I keep thinking I ought to get it shipped over, but it's too expensive. So it's still it's still at his old house. Oh, crikey! <laughs> Imagine who lives there now. They've probably got this blimmin' tom baker gravestone in the back garden thinking when's he gonna come and get it <laughs> but um that's just typical tom baker though isn't it yeah, yeah. so it's quite sad in a, in a tiny little way you know to hear him say things like that but on the other hand i do appreciate his more sort of celebration of life and not mm. be sort of drawn in you know worried about the whole you know coming to the end of his life sort of thing so um yeah i'm glad you picked this up and that you enjoy it because i'm definitely going to pick it up now no, it, it, yeah, I highly recommend it. Yeah, he talks a lot about the, you know, the, the interviewer as well is very good at sort of um, being quite, well, giving him some sort of interesting questions, the sort of things we'd want to ask him. He doesn't sort of shy away from stuff, uh, the chap he's interviewing him. I think it's Benjamin Cook, but I might be wrong. Um, 
But uh, yeah, and Tom, as I say, is very honest in his answers. He talks about some of the directors and you know some of the stories that he liked and didn't like. And yeah, it's it was a re- really good read. So definitely worth picking up. Yes, I think that is the guy, Benjamin Cook. He's very mm. very good because he's the guy that wrote A Writer's Tale with Russell T Davies. Ah, right. Yeah, so he's very very good at the whole because he followed Russell T Davies around for a year or so. Gotcha. Writing that book as a series of email interviews. Um, so yeah, he's really good. So I can imagine this would be a a, a cracker as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Um, last up, um, we've got uh, a book on the way. Um, now these hardback books—they're very much the thing, aren't they? With with who? It seems like every year we get one or two of these large format hardback uh, books, don't we? Yeah. Um, and uh, what was the one that that came out last year? Was it? Something worlds. At, um, oh yeah, that's right. I never did get that because there was the vault was the year before, which was really, or maybe even the year before that. I can't it remember was, that. Yeah, yeah. That was very good. The vault book. I didn't get the other one. I can picture it now with the sort of hexagonal that's cutout right. in the front. Yeah, can't remember what it was called, but I didn't get it. But yeah, yeah. And now this year, it's uh, we've got one called Doctor Who: The Hooniverse, mm. um, which sounds ridiculous, um, but it's quite appropriate if you like. It just sounds very. Hooniverse. It just sounds very, I don't know. Um, it sounds too obvious to me, but yeah, um, it's uh, it's cool. That it's got the um, confession dial on the front, so it's quite mm-hmm. you know um, a modern look, if you like. Um, and it goes through loads of different things to do with who. It's got um, uh, it goes through um, a load of history about Earth and the human race. Um, it's got um, right back to. 10,000 BC, um, right the way through uh, to the Roman Empire. It's got stuff about Gallifrey and the birth of the Time Lords. Uh, it's got stuff about Unit, which is mm. quite cool, the Unit era. Um, something called the Cyber Wars, the Wheel in Space and Revenge of the Cybermen, and Earth's Galactic Empire. Um, so it's basically a sort of bird's eye view of... Um, sort of Earth's empire as it rises through and is seen from space, if you like, from another point of view. Um, so it's, it sounds like it's packed full of stuff. Um, loads and loads of good stuff. It's not out until October, though, so the end of October. But you can pre-order it now on Amazon. Um, but the only thing with these big format books, like I said, is that they are, they can be quite pricey. Yeah. Um, so I remember when that other What was that other one called? Um, it looked <laughs> like a really good book, but I think it was like £40 or £35 yeah. or something. Um, but yeah, so this one at the moment, a pre-order is 35 quid. Um, but I can imagine that if you walk into a shop, it's probably going to be 39.99, I would have thought. Um, and, uh, but they do, they are quite good. I mean, it's, um, yeah. They, is that the, is that the finished cover? Cause it looks a bit, a bit bland, doesn't it? It's just literally just, just the confession dial on the front and nothing else, isn't it? I believe it is. Yeah. Yes. Um, mm. So, it's Justin Richards. It's, it's, it's Justin Richards and uh, who's the other guy? I mean, Justin Richards has done quite a lot of Dot Two books recently. George Mann. I'm not, not so familiar with him, but. George Mann, yeah. Um, what was that other book called? Oh, yeah, Impossible uh, <laughs> Worlds. Oh, I was just trying to find it while yeah. you were looking. Yeah, you got it. Have you? Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely worth, I mean, if you really, if you if they do look very good, they're really good sort of coffee table books and they do look nice on the shelf as well. Um, but, 
Yeah, I mean, I tend to wait for these to come down a bit. I mean, that Impossible Worlds book, I'm pretty sure it's about 20 quid on Amazon now. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, it was anyway. Um, a few weeks ago, it was 20 quid anyway. Um, so this is likely, like all things, you know, after the time they come down a bit. So um, if you're really into, like, really glossy, nice-looking books, you know, this will be for you. Um, however, if you want to bag it a bit cheaper, just give it a while, I would say. Yeah, because the Vault book came down very quick. And that's a really good book, actually, Vault. But I remember seeing it in, like, the works not that long after release, thinking, oh, blimey, they've got it already. Yeah, um, so it's worth hanging on. A lot of places were selling that for a fiver. I know, yeah. Which is, um, they must have printed, like, millions of them. They just obviously <laughs> overdid it. Yeah, yeah. I thought, ah, mm -hmm. we need to get rid of these. But, um, yeah, so these books are very good. They are good. But, um, yes, a little bit pricey, but, you know, if you don't mind coughing up the dough, you're a good book. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to do for news and merch. Hmm. Uh, Adam, my good fellow, what are we doing Hello. this week? Right, set the TARDIS controls for Satellite 5. <laughs> it is Satellite 5, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, uh, because we are reviewing the long game. The fourth great and bountiful human empire, and there it is, planet Earth at its height. My watch must be wrong. No, it's fine. It's weird. It's what comes of showing off. Your history's not as good as you thought it was. My history's perfect. Well, obviously not. Something is wrong. I can taste it. Engage safety. Someone down there shouldn't be here. You control satellite five. And Spike. Ooh. All kicking off. It's all kicking off. Fantastic. Yeah. The long game. Right. This one was back, uh, came out back in 2005, obviously, mm. being um, part of the uh, Eccleston series uh, in May, to be precise. Wow. 7th of May. Um, this was written by RTD and was directed by Brian Grant. Um, stars, obviously. Mr. Eccleston, uh, Billy Piper, Adam Mitchell um, is the sort of third wheel companion by Bruno, played by Bruno Langley. And then we've got like um relatively small support cast. Um, one of them being notably Simon Pegg. Yes. Uh, yeah. So the long game uh, story is um, if we remember back to the story Dalek, um, which is a great story, actually. You and I reviewed Brilliant story. a while ago. Yeah. Um, the uh, the Doctor and Rose they pick up um, Adam. They, uh, I think Rose feels a bit sorry for him, <laughs> um, and offers to take him, take him with them on their travels. So he's like part of the uh, TARDIS team, albeit for a very short amount of time. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's a typical adventure they want to show. They want to show off a little bit. So they've gone into space as usual, and. Um, they uh, they arrive on this uh, huge satellite consisting of 500 floors, more or less, and um, it's um, the the premise is the at this point in Earth's history, it's like the human race is like at its peak, if you like, um, sort of technology and industry has got to a point where the Earth is now covered in like huge big mega cities and structures, and they're out in space and all this stuff. So it's meant to be, you know, at this point in time, the human race is really advanced and stuff however the doctor senses that 
really they should be even further than this. So he, he feels that something isn't right. Um, and it turns out that um, this Satellite 5 is actually just a giant uh, sort of rabbit hutch, if you like, for this uh, this huge alien, which is um, essentially um, sort of manipulating the sort of thoughts and the progression of human race at the minute because everything on Satellite 5 obviously gets beamed down to Earth. So it's being sort of controlled uh, by this alien, and I'm not going to attempt to name it until a bit later. Oh, once damn. I was waiting for it. How to say it. And, um, yeah, so the, the Doctor and Rose, they realise it's not right, so they go off to investigate. Adam is worse than useless. Uh, he doesn't really do much apart from get himself in all sorts of trouble. Um, and, uh, yes, in the end, it comes down to quite a simple um, uh, resolution, really. Doctor and Rose, they're sort of trapped. They can't really do anything, and it's down to one of their sort of new friends he sort of jumps in the hot seat sort of saves the day yes that's really the story um off the bat what do you reckon to this one mate um <laughs> this is a bit dull actually a bit this dull. One. Mm, yeah it really does take its time getting going i found it quite quite boring for the majority of it to be honest with you okay. um which is a shame because um it's got simon Pegg in it and I absolutely love Simon Pegg. So when I heard he was going to be in Doctor Who, I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> superb. But no, I'm not really a fan of this one. And um, it's possibly because uh, I really, really like Eccleston's era. I love, love the, this series of Doctor Who. I mean, even the episodes that are slightly under par, I think I've got a lot going for him. But this one just, yeah, trudges along a bit, um, feels, feels like a bit of a slog so not really a fan of it particularly there's some good stuff in there um there are some bits i like um but overall i just found it a bit dull bit of a filler app what about you okay um i absolutely love this story do you no i'm joking <laughs> oh, phew <laughs> uh do you know what i don't i don't really mind it too much mm. i don't mind it but i'm at the same time i'm like you, I'm, I feel I feel like it's a bit of a filler episode. Yeah, it's um, and the re I think the reason why it's quite um, there are two things for me on this. The first one is we're huge fans of Eccleston's Doctor. Yes, and yeah. we're, we're huge fans of series one. And when you have a very strong series, mostly strong series, um it's very easy to pick fault in the ones that aren't quite as strong as, you know, some of the other stories. Yeah. And the other thing is it's sandwiched in between two really, really good stories of that series. That's true. Yes, you know? it is. So yeah. when you look at it, so say if you're on a bit of a, a, a an Eccleston marathon and you're watching series one from start to finish, you come out of Dalek, which is a m amazing story. Mm. And then you think, you watch this and you're like, oh, maybe is this the point in the series where things start going downhill? But then after that, you watch Father's Day and you're like, wow, that's a cracking story. So yeah. this one sort of gets forgotten because it's engulfed by the two around it. It does. Um, yeah. Which is um, which is not necessarily a bad thing because it's a testament to how good, you know, the rest of the series is. Yeah. Um, but this as a standalone, and it is completely standalone. It's got no connection to... Um, anything else really it, I mean I know that this does pop up again um, later on in the series but this is just an isolated 
turn of events. The, the story is, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah it's, it's going to say it's connected in a sense, it's connected to the end of the world and the um, finale. But yeah, in a sense, the story is totally isolated story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the story itself is completely mm. on its own. Right. You don't have to know about the whole bad wolf thing. And no, and I kind of like that. So it's one of the things I do like about it is it's got that little nod to the other ones without actually having any relevance to it. I quite like that. Yeah, mm. it's pretty good. Um, okay, let's talk about, I don't know where to start with this one. It isn't, <laughs> the thing of this story is it's not, it, it's it's extremely um, paint by numbers to me. Mm. Yeah. Like in an extreme sort of example, because there's nothing, that, it doesn't push in any direction if you know what I mean, it doesn't really focus on one particular thing and it's got no connection to the series story arc. So it sort of goes through at a reasonable pace. It doesn't move fast. It's not really a laggy story. It just sort of trundles along, um, but it doesn't really focus on anything. So we have like the, we have the doctor and Rose who are, they're not really on fire. I wouldn't say they're not sort of hugely funny. They're not, I mean, the Doctor has some quite nice little moments in it, but as a TARDIS team, if you like, they're they're sort of average in it together. Yeah, you know, nothing amazing happens. And then we've got this this other guy, Adam, who's just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but then, like the people who they interact with, it's a very small cast actually. The people, the couple of people that they interact with, don't really contribute much apart from uh, Kathika at the end. Um, but up to that point, they're just meh, a little bit forgettable in terms of characters. And then the monster itself is, I guess it's a bit threatening at the beginning. Well, about halfway through when Suki goes, when she gets promoted, quote unquote, and she goes up to yeah. the 500th floor and, you know, so you could say it's a little bit threatening there, but overall it's just like a big bit of Play-Doh. <laughs> with know, teeth. With teeth and a couple of weird positioned eyes. I think their eyes or their blowholes or... I don't know, whatever. Yeah. You know what whales have on their back, you know, I know. so they can breathe. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's what it looked like. And uh, and it doesn't really, it's not one of those stories where you have like this, where the, you know, the doctor's really up against the ropes. Because even when they're sort of, they're, they're chained up and, you know, they can, you, I think it's meant to make you feel like, you know, they're in real danger. Even when they're chained up, Rose is just sort of standing there sort of looking around, not really bothered by anything going on. She's, yeah. you know, she's completely unfazed. And the doctor's like, <laughs> there's no real sort of, sort of um, sinister, looming, bad thing going to happen. Um, and in the end, the, the monster just explodes. A bit like Cassandra, isn't it? I like, forgot, it reminded me very much of that. It's just, yeah. just, yeah, pops. And then they drop Adam off and then they go. So it's just one of those stories to me where it's like, you know, they're just following, it's a bit like a newsreader following a prompt. You know, mm. there's nothing real, there's no sort of emotion there. There's no enthusiasm and originality. It's just, you know, read the lines, paint the numbers, and then on we go. I, I, I got to say, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Well, you found the right word when you say plod. Because mm. I just found yeah. the pacing so lack, lacks. It just, yeah, just plodded along. I wasn't really engaged in it at all. There's nothing. I mean, I was thinking if Simon Pegg wasn't in this, because he's not in it, even in it that much. Um, but I, lo- I like Simon Pegg so much that I did enjoy it when he was on screen. But I was thinking, God, if he wasn't in this, you know, there, there's really not a lot else in this keeping me keeping me watching. You know, there's no threat. There's no sort of danger. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you've got Adam just wandering around, getting his implant in his head or whatever. You know, there's really not a lot going on um, uh, until the sort of last probably five minutes when it all kicks off and goes mad and then wraps up. You know, so I found the pacing really off on this. I found the direction really boring as well. Who was the director? The director was Brian Grant. Ugh, I thought the direction and yeah. direction and pacing were the two biggest issues with this, mm. um, and also the look of it. It looks so cheap, and um, it looks like the sort of budget episodes that they have in a series, like where they've got to use the same set and redress it. And yeah. you know, it looked really, really cheap. And it's such a shame because you've got such a big sort of guest star in this with Simon Pegg. Uh, you've also got Tamsin. Greg in it, Greg Tamsin Greg, who's uh, you know she pops up in quite a lot of things. So you got two sort of fairly well known yeah. faces in this, but particularly Peg. Um, I mean, I don't think we'd get Peg now, do you? He's, he's sort of he was quite a big star then, but he's an, you know he's a really big star now because Star Trek and that. I'd, I don't think we'd get Peg in Doctor Who now, do you think? Um, I think we would. I think he's the... Because he's a fan? Yeah, I think he's the type of guy that would do it. Mm. Um, yeah. Although he is a big star now, I think he still would. But um, Obviously, he's wasted in it though, isn't he? Back he's then, completely, completely wasted. Completely wasted. Yeah, I mean, he tries yeah. to play Mr. Bad Guy. You know, he's mm. like the he's he's kind of like um, sort of the old Inspector Gadget sort <laughs> of real bad guy who's just sitting in the chair, you know, overseeing all the evil dastardly plans and stuff. Yeah, sort of rubbing his hands together with sort of evil intent. Um, but it turns out he's just a puppet, really, and it, he he just works for the bank. That's right. He just works yeah. at the bank and he's just trying to get the maximum investment back, and it sort of dilutes his um his importance and his his sort of sinisterism. It's almost as if they felt like they needed a big monster in it, and he wasn't, you know. Yeah. So they got to have this other thing in the in the roof of the spaceship, but it doesn't make any sense to me. You know? Yeah. Um. So I mean, I know what you mean about pacing as well. I mean, it does sort mm. of. Pl- I mean, it doesn't. To me, it doesn't lag. It's not one of those things. It's not one of those things where. I felt, oh wow, this scene's gone on for like way too long. It, mm. it does move. It's just, it feels like it's um, it's being forced to move. Yeah, you know, it's like, uh, it's like, you know, the way that certain scenes are cut together. It's almost like they had to cut them that way because if they didn't, then it would lag. It would mm. feel quite boring. So the edit, the editing is is done in a way where it feels like it's a modern, you know, quickly paced you know, Doctor Who episode. But in reality, it's just, I think it's forced that way. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that really is, is quite disappointing for me is um, if you look at, if you watch the special features on series one, um, I think back then they called it Doctor Who Confidential. Yes. Which oh, was yeah. really good. Really, yeah, really good. Thing. Um, and there's an interview between Russell T. Davis, I think Julie Gardner was there as well. And they were talking about the script for this episode. And Russell T. Davis went into quite a lot of depth about how difficult it is to write a script where even the simplest of things. So in this case, when they land on Satellite 5, um, it's, it feels deserted, doesn't it? But then when I assume the lunch bell goes off, um, it all sort of bursts into life and there's like food stalls and people buying stuff. And Russell T. Davis was saying that he was saying like in order to make like a real intricate, believable sort of setting for a story, you need to really figure out like each individual little character, what their purpose is, what their job is, what their life is. You need to imagine, you know, people walking around with currency in their pocket and 
all all this stuff. But when we actually get to the episode and watch it, there's none of that stuff in there. It all feels really everything just seems like it's secondary to something else, but nothing has priority. Yeah, that that scene feels like time filler to me. Like the exactly, bit where they're yeah. all you're thinking, oh, what's this? Yeah, yeah, move on. Because that that's also he does that again in um, Gridlock, doesn't he? Doesn't he have this scene the same where everyone starts opening up the? Or is there yes. like a food yeah, no. van? Because I was thinking, yeah. like as soon as I was watching, that, I was thinking this reminds me of Gridlock. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I the way that if you hear Russell T Davis describe it in Doctor Who Confidential, if you watch the um the features on there. It almost makes you look forward to this story because you think, wow, there's going to be like all these interesting characters and we're going to, the Doctor and Rose are going to mingle up, you know, it's going to be this very intricate setting and everything. But when you get to it, it's just very lackluster and it's very, Mm. I mean, there's only one little food stall in the middle of this like hall (laughs) and there's like a few people with like McDonald's milkshakes, you know, sitting at a table with, I don't know, it's just, it's almost very, it's very much like, um, uh, if you've ever seen this old Star Wars documentary called, um, uh, it was I can't remember what it's called now. It's like a it was like a two and a half hour documentary about the original series, uh, original oh, trilogy. The, yes, Empire of Dreams. It's called. Yeah, Empire of Dreams. And there's a bit where Luke Hamill's saying that they were really looking forward to the cantina scene <laughs> because George Lucas had described it as this like really bustling environment for all these crazy different aliens. And when they actually got to the set, they were like, oh. Well, this isn't very good at all, is it? No. And it's almost exactly the same thing where it feels like it was talked up really big before. And then when they actually got to do it, they were like, yeah, we haven't really got the money to do all this stuff anymore. So we're just going to have to go with this. Um, and it's like that for the majority of the episode to me. It's yeah. like um, the the cast is extremely small, isn't it? We've got two characters who the Doctor and Rose bump into, which is Kathika and Suki. Um, and then we've got Simon Pegg and then the nurse. Yeah, that's Tamsin Greek, yeah. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, we've got Adam's mum at the very end. She's in it for like 15 seconds, though. Um, and that's it. That really <laughs> is, is it. Is the nurse supposed to be a robot or, or sedated or something? Because Tamsin Greig, she's quite good normally at doing those sort of spiky, vicious characters. But she seems to be pl- underplaying this one. Like She almost seems like she's trying not to be human or something. She's really yeah. like... Um, talking like i'm not really a person if you know oh, what i mean right no i didn't really get that no i don't think uh. she's meant to be a, a robot but i was uncomfortable with those scenes yeah and i'll tell you why because when when adam goes in to inquire about this because he goes up there just to have a nose around i think at first and she sort of really sort of plays the salesperson and sells it to him that he needs this you know brain surgery thing but the way that she does it, she's very, very flirty and very, very forward with him. You know, she's yeah. giving him the eye a lot. She's like, I don't know. I just she's and he, got yeah. She's got like the money chip rubbing it on his shoulder yeah, and all that. Yeah, I know. It's a little bit. And creepy. I was like, yeah. oh, I mean, I, I know he's not a child in it. He's not a kid. But you know, I don't know. I just found it a bit like, oh, mm-hmm. this isn't. I don't want to see this. You know, this, I don't know. And that's made worse by having the sick ice cube. <laughs> oh God, the vomit! I was like, "What yeah. the vomit cube?" I'm like, oh God. Yes. No. So, I mean, I don't know if you can think of anything else. I mean, because I don't, I don't want to bash the episode too much because you know we always try and find something decent, mm-hmm. you know, to go on. But um, the other thing, you know, before we get on to some potential good stuff about it, um, is um, 
the way that the the alien is I don't you know the the bit where Suki gets promoted and she goes up to the the 500th floor and she's having a look around and she can see these skeletons outside and so on um when Simon Pegg's character what's he called the editor the you know editor, you know yeah. he's just like quizzing her and stuff and we have another wasted opportunity there because mm. it turns out that she's some kind of um uh sort of spy if you like yeah she's like a secret agent sort of thing like almost a, isn't she that's right yeah, yeah. um and uh, that's completely wasted. You know, that could have been a really good sort of intersection with, you know, it, it almost could have been like a, a Rose and Adam doing silly stuff episode and Suki and the Doctor sort of team up because mm. she's obviously there for the reason that, you know, something isn't right. The Doctor knows that something isn't right. We could have had a cool little team up there. Um, so we find out that she's this agent or spy or whatever. Then she gets killed instantly and that's it. Yeah, she's immediately plugged into the computer. Yeah, so that's yeah. like a little wasted opportunity I felt there. Um, that's a good point, actually. And I, I do, I quite like Peg in that scene as well because he's like, uh, so let's start with your name, Lies. And he's like, he's really, he seems to be sort of finally getting into a bit of character in that mm -hmm. that scene. But yeah, like you said, and then it's just just over and done with. She's plugged in and off we go. Yeah. yeah. So, bit of wasted um, potential there. Yeah. So let's, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, there's not really anything else to talk in terms of story. The story is no. quite simplistic, and like we said, it plods along. And um, this alien, um, I will try and say it. It's the go on the Jagrafess. Yeah. Oh, let me look at that. Hold on. Yes, the Jagrafess. Um, this supposed thing that's you know. Controlling. Oh, I thought you were going to say the whole thing. Oh no, I can't because that. Oh, I thought that, I thought that's what you're building up for the <laughs> mighty. Because imagine how many times did Simon Pegg have to do takes for this? Because he does have to say it, doesn't he? The mighty Jagrafess of the Holy Hadrogasic Maxadrenofo, or Max for short. <laughs> Max for short. Yeah. I haven't said any of that right, but can you how that? Yeah, Can you, you imagine did. how many you times did. he would have had to have said that in like really quick? Yeah, um, yeah. and to fair play to Russell T Davis, he does like these very long alien names. What's the facts? Facts Victorious. What's the home planet? The Slovene. Raxacorophallopatorius. No. This is where listeners are yes. screaming hours. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, so yes, uh, and they do sound quite cool. But yeah, so this Jagrafest thing or Max for short. Um, yeah. Just didn't seem. I mean, it's, it's quite inconsistent as well because the bit where Suki does go up there and she gets killed by it, she turns around and looks up, and then this thing obviously does something to her. Um, but there's like a whole sort of five, six minutes where the Doctor and Rose are standing directly beneath it, yeah, and it does nothing. No, you know, so it's quite inconsistent. And what does it do? Because you sort of looks like it eats her, but then the next thing you know, she's sort of a zombie at the computer desk. So we don't really know what it does to people. Yeah, because the the threatening thing that they made about this is the big gnashing teeth. Yeah. You know, so it clearly doesn't eat people. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't like, I'm just, I'm not, I know we're, um, we're going to move off negativity in a minute, but I'm just going to say I don't like the design of it at all. But I think it looks like a, a blob of, like you said, a blob of Play-Doh with teeth. Does it, it's rubbish. Yes. Yeah, so. it does look, yeah, like a Play-Doh that's been sat in oil for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, let's talk about some good stuff, shall we? Yeah. Um, I quite like the um, 
like I said, I quite like the premise, like the idea of having this real populated, interesting um, community going on on this on this satellite. That's quite good um, mm -hmm. because it just provides loads of opportunity for decent characters and story. So I like the idea. I really like the you know the the episode as a as a concept, if you like. Um, and I don't want to go back to negativity. It's just a shame that it wasn't executed better. Yeah. Um, you know, because we could have you could have had that really cool um, thing where there was like sort of shady looking characters over there. There was like other mm. people doing stuff, and Rose or Adam gets you know chatting to these other people. But it was seemed it's really isolated with just them. And there's no aliens or monsters, is it? Because they make a point of saying that, don't they? She says something about oh, we had to keep the numbers down. But you're right; mm. they could have had a bit more of like the alien. Bit like in maybe maybe that's because they did it in um, End of the World where they introduced all the aliens. Perhaps they didn't want to repeat, but it does feel like it needs a few more characters in there to sort of flesh it out a bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. yep. yeah. Uh, I really like the um, uh, and something that I wish I could do, where the Doctor goes to the cash point, sonic screwdriver, unlimited mm. credit. Um, yeah, I thought that was very cool. I liked that. Yeah, I was thinking the same. I was thinking I might try that next week with the 12th Doctor Sonic. <laughs> How much <laughs> of a lunatic Just would you look? Just standing outside, in, you know, Nat West. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a long line of people behind you, they see you got out this yeah. thing. Wearing, and you're like, your, <laughs> wearing your scarf as well, Tom Baker's scarf. You know. <laughs> oh, he's, a, he's a one of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you just getting sort of led away by a member of staff, like, come on, it's all right. Yeah, right. this try it on this one. Yeah, <laughs> so that's very good. And um, uh, I liked the um, I liked some of the uh, the other concepts where they had where you could have sort of the surgery on your head, and um, you could sort of beam into your brain like knowledge, mm. like vast amounts of knowledge, like straight into your brain, sort of thing with this little, you know. And then that's it. I mean, we'll come on to the whole clicking thing and how <laughs> and how much of a crappy ending it made in, in a little while. But um, but I do like I, I like that idea as well. That's that's quite. I was going to say yeah. If I'm going to give a positive about this episode, I do. I'm, I'm not sure about that concept, but it is interesting. Um, but I the sort of best part of this episode for me actually does evolve around the fact that Adam is is just being this little. Um, uh, can't think of a word that isn't a swear word, but basically he's just out <laughs> for his own gain. Yes, and he, and yeah. he's you know he's going to use this to sort of um, help himself. I, I liked I liked that. It brought a bit more something a bit more interest into the story because you're sort of thinking, oh, you know, what's he what's he going to do, sort of thing, and well, you just know that he's going to cop it when the doctor finds out. And I do love the. Not the bit that you're on about, not the very last comical gag, but I do yeah. love the bit where the doctor drops him off and is just like, goodbye. You know, that's how the doctor oh, deals yeah. with people that are selfish. And yeah, but, um, but I do, I like that part of the story of Adam, you know, just uh, going off to, to get him, you know, because he's basically trying to fill his head with knowledge so he can take it back to earth with him, isn't he? And become rich. And yeah, he's, you know, he was working for um, Henry Van Staten for too long. Yeah. That's the problem. Uh, so he is out for his own selfish gains, isn't he? Yeah, and um, I think that's quite interesting. I like that because I suppose if you go off traveling the doctor and he's kind of just taken off on a whim, you could sort of, if you put yourself in issues, you might uh, succumb to the yeah. greedy side of taking advantage of things. Of so that's, I like that. I like that idea. Yeah. Um, there was a funny little, tiny, funny little moment with Rose where um, the doctor's clicking his fingers and making his head 
open. Yeah. And Rose looks like she's going to say something nice or important. And then she clicks her fingers and she's like, sorry, I couldn't. Re- oh, that was quite funny. Because also I was thinking, surely the doctor wouldn't leave him on the earth with that. But I, I do like the way the doctor uses it against him to say, you're going to have to keep your head down and be, keep yourself out of trouble. Yes. Otherwise you're going to get dissected. And he's like, oh God, oh no. And I thought oh, that's quite a good way to get around it. Because I was thinking, how can he possibly leave him with this thing? You know, so yeah. that's quite good. Yeah. And then I like the... Um, the way that the set was done up on the 500 floor. So we go from very warm, sort of, Loads uh, of color, humid, yeah, very bright oranges and yellows and reds and stuff up to like this very icy blue, dark purpley kind of thing. And, you know, it does make you feel quite cold. It's, um, yeah, well, know, Peg looks cold, doesn't it? With yeah. His... So they do that quite well. Like the, yeah. you know, the, um, I'm not saying the sets themselves were amazing. They were quite basic because they clearly, didn't want to throw too much money at this one, but the difference between the rest of the satellite and going up to that one is a really good sort of difference between the two. Yeah, yeah. And they're they're promised good. it's gold up there as well, so it's quite good when uh, Suki gets up the top and it's like she's always like she's on the wrong floor because it's so like you do sort of feel that awful emptiness and darkness and coldness when she's up there because she's expecting it to be all grand and gold, isn't she? But yeah, so that's quite good. Yes. Mm. Um, and also, I think they could have. I don't know if you've. Um, I don't know if you've read anything about this, or jumped on Wiki or anything about this. Um, about the story, but Russell C. Davis did say that um, originally he wrote this story purely from Adam's perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when um, and when you look on the, I think it's the special features or the commentary or whatever for this, the director does say that. Um, like the earlier scripts and all that stuff. Um, the reason why Adam was so selfish and out to sort of absorb all of the information and stuff is because his dad um, had suffered from like an incurable disease or something. Mm. So that was his motivation for, you know, learning all this stuff so he could potentially go back and, you know, sort his dad out. Right. Well, um, that would have been more interesting because it would have given it a bit more substance. I think. Exactly. Yeah. And I think mm. that, having continued with that concept of filming this from Adam's perspective and then throwing in that motivation is as into why he's um, after all this knowledge and it is out to, to get all this stuff is because he's, you know, his dad's got some incurable disease and wants to, mm. to help him. That would have been a bit more, I could have dealt with that. And it would have fleshed out Adam's character a bit more because obviously Adam yeah. comes in for quite a lot of stick exactly, you know, yeah. for being rubbish. But we might have, maybe we would have cared slightly more. Exactly, yeah. We so might why have... did that get dropped? You know, you've got to wonder why did they simplify it? Um, it's, well, it's all kind of hidden behind uh, sort of red tape and, and politics right. really. But, um, you know, it just, um, they, you know, we know, we're not really sure why because um, the production team were quite baffled as well as to why um, the script was rejected and Russell T. Davis wanted to change it and so on. Because everyone sort of bought into the idea and thought it was quite good. Yeah. Um, but then, um, no, this, Russell Davis just came back and with a new script and was like, we're doing this now. So, I wonder at what point Peg come on board as well, because I'm thinking it seems such a... If, if, you, if, you, if you knew you were going to have Simon Peg in your dog too, wouldn't you... I'm trying to think, would he have fitted better into another story? Like, was it just that they sort of slotted him in or was he in mind when Russell first sort of wrote this story? It'd be interesting to know, actually. 
Because like you said, it's, you know, if yeah. you had all these sort of grand ideas, because it doesn't feel very grand and you'd expect sort of Simon Pegg to be in one of the better, bigger budget episodes, not not this one that's clearly a bit of a filler, for want of a better word. Yeah, well, he's Simon Pegg's very, not intentionally quiet, but it's, it's, it, this isn't one of the things that he brings up too often. No, no. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, interviews and stuff. It's like, tell us about... Um, you know, it's a some, long game. You know, tell us about some of the cool things you've done on TV. He doesn't bring this up. Mm. Um, and I've read his book as well, um, Nerd Do Well. Yeah. And he doesn't mention it in that either. Mm. So, you know, whether that's a case of he's just not too happy with how it turned out and so on, or if he's just genuinely, you know, thinks about bigger things since Doctor Who, I'm not sure. But mm. um, it's not one that he shouts about. No, it's just yeah. interesting when you say about, you know, Russell's original concept and ideas, perhaps... You know, I just wonder if it was supposed to be a bit more grand at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame because with those two things, you know, thrown into the script, we could have had more of a connection with Adam. But we mm. might not have thought of him as just a weedy, stupid little idiot. Um, you know, he's getting himself into trouble and almost, you know, ruins the day. You know, if we had some, if we had a bit more sort of insider knowledge as to why he was doing it, could have been a different episode. Do you think if Chris had done another series, do you think he would have ever gone back to to meet Adam? Because I'm just wondering, because we only we only get him in two stories, don't we? Yes. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, so we don't really get a chance to sort of know much about him, and he's not fleshed out that much. But uh, yeah, I don't know. wonder if Russell would have brought... I, I have a feeling Russell might have brought him back if, uh, if he'd done another series. Yeah, because it's there for the, the taking, you know. We've got a character that's, you know, been affected by the Doctor's travels and adventures mm-hmm. and so on. So he's there ready for... Can you imagine you know, fandom? Like, just like we are now with Nardor, they'd have been like, no, not Adam, coming back for Series 2, no! You know? <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't go down well, would it? I don't think no. so. No. Um, maybe in a big finish one day. Yeah. Um, but until then, yes. <laughs> he's locked away with a big hole in his head. <laughs> um, rightio, let's speak about some of the cast members. Um, mm. Right, so the nurse then. Tam's in Greek. Mm. Um Creepy. Creepy and not in a good way for me. No, not at all. And I'm probably being completely stupid there. No, Any of our listeners are like, what are you talking about? I've not noticed that before. But for me, I just feel like it was just not not, not anything wrong at all. Don't get me wrong. It's nothing, um, nothing sinister or, you know, bad intent or anything like that. I just found it like a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> because of the clear sort of age difference. Um, and he does look very young in it. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, Bruno Langley at this point he, in his life, he is very young still, pudding faced. And uh, she's all over <laughs> him like a rash, you know. She's very flirty. And yeah, like you said, she's like rubbing the thing up and down. And and I'm just like, no, this, that just doesn't work for me. Yeah, I agree. It is a bit creepy. I must admit, I'm not quite as bothered about it as you, but I do take <laughs> your point. I do see what you mean. It is a little bit grossed out but but i'm more disappointed in their performance because i quite like tamsin greek i really like her in like episodes and um which is the tv series episodes i mean not episodes oh with matt um, leblanc yeah matt leblanc yeah she just i always think she's got quite a good way of being serious but giving a comedy performance so i don't know she just seems to be holding back in this again could be down to direction i don't know but she's she's just not very good in it and i think it's a shame because i know she can be good um so yeah you're right it's, instead of being sort of this sort of quite um, potentially 
comical nurse or whatever. She just comes across as, as a bit, yeah, creepy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So she's not great in it. So again, it's a bit of a waste of um, quite a good actress, I think. Yes, I agree. And what about Suki, the undercover wow. agent who uh, finally gets promoted but then meets her demise? Yeah. Um, well, I think you summed it up earlier, actually. this We had a potential for a good character here, um, but we don't really get to see much of that at all. In fact, it's only really that shot, isn't it, of her in the army gear with the gun gives us an insight into her sort of true character, which we don't really get to know. So um, the actress is fine, actually. I think she's not too bad. Uh, Anna Maxwell Martin okay. um, yeah. is the actress. Um, yeah, she, she does okay what she's given, but it's just that the character's not particularly strong, I don't think. Yes. Again, I do love it yep. when she grabs the editor at the end, though. That's the best <laughs> bit, when he thinks he's escaping and she just grabs his leg because ah, she's sort yes. of zombified by that point, isn't she? She mm-hmm. just sort of does it like a reaction. Uh, that's quite good. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, I totally agree. Um, again, if we'd have just seen a tiny, weeny bit more uh, backstory with her, uh, maybe fleshed her character out a little bit so that even if we did have the reveal that this is what she's up to, it just wasn't over so soon. Yeah, and there's um, plenty of room for it in this story. That's the annoying thing. There mm-hmm. is plenty of room for for all this stuff because it's, yeah, it could have done with a bit more content. So mm-hmm. it's a shame. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kathika, Christine Adams. Uh, he plays a, quite an important role at the end, yes. um, but quite annoying, I found. Yeah, I thought so. A bit, um, yeah, she's <laughs> a bit theatre in her performance as well, I thought. Not particularly great uh, at the acting. She, yeah. She's she's better in the second half of the episode, though. She sort of does come come good at the end, I think. But yeah, no, I wasn't over-impressed with her. Do you know what? It's almost like a switch with that character because I mm. found her quite... Um, yeah, quite annoying, like in how she came across to the doctor. Yeah. Um, and then it was almost like, yeah, about halfway through, it's like a switch went off and her character seemed to change almost all of a sudden, where she went from this person that just wanted to be kept out of trouble and just really do everything she can so that she got this promotion, you know, and quite selfish. And then almost like a switch going off. She's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of help you with this now and even though she's like we shouldn't be doing it and we're going to get in trouble she's she sort of turns instantly yeah i was gonna say she's i think she's better when she's like that but yeah yes. I, I found it yeah. quite annoying for, um, for the majority of it yeah yeah and she does she does sort of give it the beans you know that bit at the end where she's she's sat in the chair and she's sort of fighting back against against the system if you like oh yeah um and then they try and stop her and she's She's like really sort of intense. She's like, no, you don't. You know, she sort of carries on. So almost in a sacrificial way, you know, she's she's almost realised that the whole thing's a bit of a bit of a sham. So she's just like nothing to lose and she's into it. So yeah, that was quite good. Didn't mind that. It's just up to that point, she was just a bit me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, righto, what about, um, what about Simon Pegg then, the editor? Well, I do like Pegg. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think he's he's... He's still decent in it, but um, yeah, it could have been a lot better. Um, again, just a wasted potential. I hate to keep using that, but that's how, that's all I can think of to say about him because he's he's perfectly good when he's in it and he's sort of giving a fairly standard Simon Pegg performance, but mm-hmm. he doesn't reach any level of greatness, unfortunately. It's probably the best way I can put it. Yeah, and that's an unfortunate thing Yeah, about this uh, this particular episode is that there is a few real wasted 
opportunities. And Simon Pegg's probably the biggest of them all. Yes. Um, because he didn't need his character and his, you know, the way that they could have written him in the story. He didn't need to be governed by this big, stupid gloop of an alien. That's right. You know, they, they could have made him like the main threat and the main, the main baddie. See, that's why I wondered how far into the writing process he came on board. Because that's what I feel. It kind of feels like he's he's been slotted in rather yeah. than, than actually being the focus of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. And he ends mm. up ultimately just ultimately just being a, a translator. Yeah. For that, you know, for the Jagrafess. And that's a huge waste because there were a few moments. Where I, I can see the way that he played this character as well. He did this bad guy thing where he's very smiley and laughy which at times make, makes characters even more threatening when they're like that. So I can see the road he was going down with it. Um, mm. But he just didn't really put himself into it enough. There was, even though you could, you know, at face value, yes, he's a bad guy. But there was nothing that he did really. And the way that he, his performance in it, there was nothing that I thought, wow, you know, this guy is a bad seed. You know, mm. he means business. There was none of that. He was just very... You know, like you said, you know, when he, he had that good scene where he's sort of interrogating Suki and he's like, what's your name? And he's like, lie, you know, that was quite good the way they did that. But the rest of it was, yeah, he was just, he was just a, a, a translator for the big gloopy thing. He's you know, a bit of a puppet, really. A puppet, just exactly. A puppet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, it's a shame. Yeah, I mean, and a, a character, sorry, an actor such as Simon Pegg doesn't need that. You know, if he had a bit of, a, if he had a, if they reworked that so he was the main villain orchestrating all of this and they wrote him a slightly better script, it would have been hugely, you know, much better episode. Mm. Um, and he just doesn't need all that stuff. I mean, even back then, when was this? Yeah, 2005. Even back then, he had done a decent amount of things and, you know, great actor and had done some really good stuff. So he didn't need yeah. it all. He just didn't yeah. need all the faff. Because I'm thinking of like spaced. I absolutely love the oh, TV series. Awesome. Spaced. Yeah. Um, so it's just yeah, just such so, so good. So yeah, it was disappointing. I think when you know when I heard he was in it, I was like, oh wow, you know, brilliant, mm -hmm. absolutely. He's one of those actors as well because you, you know, he's a fan of the show. You just as soon as he's announced as being in it, you sort of think perfect, perfect for Doctor Who. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it is a shame we didn't get something a bit better written for him. I think. Yeah, and someone yeah. like Simon Pegg who who has grown up on sci-fi. So if mm -hmm. Simon Pegg, you know, has publicly said many times that he's just a complete and utter, you know, self-confessed geek about anything. Yeah. You know, he's a massive Star Wars fan, really big Doctor Who fan. So he gets it. He really gets science fiction. You know, so he's not like one of these actors who they've got in who has done Casualty or The Bill, <laughs> or, you know, those sorts yeah. of things. And they have to sort of explain it and get the concept into the head. I think Simon Pegg's one of these people that just instantly gets sci-fi and doesn't need all the, all the crap that comes with it. You know, if you give him a good script, you know, just sit back and enjoy the show sort of thing. Yeah, so, exactly. He could have been electric in it. He could have been absolutely, yeah. you know, phenomenal. But, so, yeah. you know, he wasn't terrible. You know, I've got no huge complaint, really. It's more towards how he was written in, you know, and he could have been a bit more sinister, I felt. He could have been a bit darker with it. And a little bit more scarier. And also, I think it's, it's interesting because I always forget, really, most of the time that he's even in Doctor Who. Like, when I went to put this on, I didn't think, oh, well, this is the one with Simon Pegg. 
you know, it doesn't stand out mm-hmm. at all. Uh, the fact this episode doesn't really stand out. It's not one that you sort of think, oh, what's that one with Simon Pegg in? That's a good one. Yeah. You know, it's very, very much sort of um, overlooked and forgotten, I think. Yes, yeah. I agree. Um, there is another character that who has a few lines, um, the chef guy. Um, he does, the chef. Yeah, he does. <laughs> um, yeah, don't really need to say anything about him, do we? No, like you said, so that is it, though, isn't it? That's the cast. There's no, not really anyone else in it. Well, yeah, apart from the mother. Apart from the mother. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that scene at the end. Um, so they ended Time. it. Oh man, they ended it on a really bad joke, cheesy, didn't they? Cheesy, cheesy joke. What was all that about? I mean, I could. Time goes like that. Yeah. Do so, the comedy face. Um. Oh man, I mean. <laughs> You can kind of see, you know, it's like, you know, we we don't want to end it on a on a standard Doctor Who finish with just the Doctor and Rose disappearing in the TARDIS and then let's roll the credits. Let's throw a little gag in there. <laughs> but it's just oh, so cheesy. Yeah. And it's... Oh. It's funny because all the stuff with the Doctor and Rose just before that works pretty well. It does, yeah. Doesn't it? It's quite a nice little scene because the Doctor's so angry and stuff and then it just gets totally... <laughs> overshadowed by that last gag with yeah. the mum clicking her fingers and his little brain hatch opening and oh dear just the mum's yeah. face it almost ends like one of those really bad sort of it, old soap cliffhangers all you need is wop, 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 wop. Or you, <laughs> you know overdubbed over and yeah. you got it. or you probably need like the EastEnders drums <laughs> yeah. coming you know it's got be yeah it's got that real EastEnders sort of <laughs> you know, you've walked in on like uh, I know what she's standers, but I imagine it's one of those scenes where somebody walks in and their other half's in bed with someone else, yeah. and it's got that do do, you know. Well, actually, Bruno, like we haven't talked about Bruno lately, but he was actually a soap actor, wasn't he? He's, he was, or was he after this? Can't remember now. But he's like he's a soap actor. He was in EastEnders, wasn't he? Uh, I'm pretty no, sure he was. Is what's the other one? Corey. Corey, Corey I think he's no, from. He was, hold on. Yeah, I'm sure he was in it. He oh. might have been in both, actually. I've got a feeling, didn't he? Didn't he go? Let's have a look. Let's oh, get he's on in Corrie, yeah, sorry. He's in Corrie. Is he in Corrie? Yes. Because, you see, I don't watch the soap, so I don't know. But I knew he was like a soap actor. Um, was that before? Or, yeah, see, he yeah, he was in Coronation Street before Doctor Who, then Doctor Who, and then he went back <laughs> to Coronation Street That's as right. well. He's yeah. still in it, is he? Blimey. Yeah, he's um, still in it, yeah, yeah. Still, isn't it? Um, well, good. Um, I'll but tell yeah, you what we, um, Doctor Who did for his career, though. What's that? After that, he went on to do Stars in Their Eyes. Oh, no. <laughs> As who? Robbie Williams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Bruno, wow. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, guys. But, um, you know, we've got respect for you and stuff for being in Doctor Who. But, yeah. What, he, stars in Their Eyes and Coronation Street. He was the, when I went to the, you know, the BFI did a thing for the 50th of show, one story from each doctor. Yes. And they had um, people from the show there to do a and a after everyone. And, you know, they had some really, really good people there. Um, uh, I, I don't know if David Tennant was there. Yes, David Tennant was at his one. So for the, because I remember now, I went up but couldn't get into the screening, but I did see him there. Mm-hmm. If you see what I mean? Um, yes, yeah, so there's some really, really good people. And I, only managed to get tickets for the Ninth Doctor screening. And I was like, oh, yes, um, Chris is going to be there and Russell's going to be there. Oh, my God, this is going to be – oh, and Bruno Langley's going to be there. But, you know, this is this is still awesome. This is going to be great. 
Anyway, by the time I got there, unfortunately, Russell and Chris, uh, for whatever reasons, had both cancelled. Oh, no. <laughs> the only people at my screening at the BFI was Bruno Langley um, <laughs> and Phil Collinson. Yeah. Um, and who else? One other person who I can't remember, but nobody. Like, So yeah. the Q&A was really funny because, no offence to Bruno, but he didn't really know any of the answers to the... He's clearly not really a sci-fi geek, is what I'm saying. Like People were asking him stuff about Doctor Who, and he didn't even seem to know anything about the episode. It was a bit... Yeah, it's a bit awkward. Oh, uh, that was the one where Chris sent in a little letter. I don't, do you remember there was... It became a bit infamous where he... He sort of said, you know, how much he enjoyed his time on the show and oh, right, the yeah. character yep. doctor and all that. That was that was that where they read out his little letter. Oh yeah. dear. So, but yeah, a little bit disappointing. So, Bruno, Bruno yeah, roped in. <laughs> Chris yeah. has cancelled Bruno. Could you? <laughs> could you come in? <laughs> yeah. So his character. I mean, his character as well is not written in the best light, is it? Because the no. the story previously in Dalek, he was not that great in that either, was he? Let's be honest, he wasn't. Well, no, I mean, the thing is, that he, he gets, yeah, he gets away with it in Dalek because he's not in it. Um, because it's such a good story, I mean. Yeah. It's such a good story that you don't... It's like in this one, I mean, when you think of this story, the long game, you know, I do think of sort of, in my head, the first couple of things that come up are Simon Pegg and the Adam with the uh, brain thing, you know, they're the yeah. sort of two things I take from it. I mean, he wasn't even in the story that I went to see the BFI actually when I think about it. I just don't even know why he was there. But he's because <laughs> they showed the parting of the ways. So, so I don't know why he was there. But um but yeah, he's he's more prominent in the long game, isn't he? Yes. As yeah. a character. Um he's not dreadful though. He's not like oh. his acting is it's not cringy, it's just more forgettable isn't it you know yeah, i mean you don't yeah. you know what i mean he's not like one of the we've we've seen worse let's put it that way you know oh, of it's course, just yeah. that his character and his acting is just very mm, it's very forgettable isn't it? <laughs> i think you're right yeah it's, yeah it's completely forgettable that's the thing if you that's if it, yeah. you went up to uh if you were geeking out about doctor who and you said to somebody what are some of the the lines that adam has got in the long game I think a lot of people would be sitting there scratching their heads like, yeah. oh, I don't know. I know he was in this scene where this happens, but I don't really remember what he said or what he does. Um, and he'll yeah. always be remembered as the companion that came so close to travelling. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, is that it's so close to travelling with the Doctor and Rose yeah. uh, and then dumped after two two stories. Yeah. 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 So Bruno Langley. Bruno yeah. Langley, yes. Um, right, Rose. Rose, mm, she's fine. She's, yeah, she's okay. Like you said, there are no standout moments for Rose. She does seem to be pretty much um, going through the motions, I think. Uh, but she's not bad. She's, yeah, she gives a sort of decent performance. Old um, Billy Piper. Old, she's just, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, old Billy, yeah, she's okay. Doesn't really get to do a lot, does she, really? Um, yeah, I mean, that's exactly that. She just doesn't really get to do much. Um, we find that with, in Chris Eccleston's series, um, Rose does get quite a bit to do throughout most yeah. of the stories. You know, even right from the off in the episode Rose, she's very, very active and plays a very big part. Um, but in this one, she's real quiet almost. It seems like she's had like an easy day on set, doesn't it? Yeah, because like you yeah. said, even when she's like 
confronted with the monster. She's not like freaking out. Mm. She's just kind of like, nah, da, 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 da. I'll probably have a fag in a minute. Um, you know, <laughs> she just looks really like, yep. yeah, like she's having a, a very easy day of things, not mm. bothered. Yeah. Mm. So she doesn't really play a big part at all, really. And but no. what she does, you know, it's not, it's not bad. It's not. It's just a bit mediocre. Yeah. She's, there's no screaming or shouting. There's no running away from anything. There's no um, sort of emotional stuff from her in this one. It's just very ploddy. Like yeah, you said, you know. She's just there to have the the only bit she really gets is the conversation with Adam where he's like saying, you know, he's basically trying to flirt, isn't he? He's like, you're never going to pick, you know, me over That's the doctor, right. are you? Yeah. I'm never going to compare to him. And she sort of does that awkward um, da, 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 look into the sky. That's the only sort of little bit we get really, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. Adam's rejection. Yeah. So she's quite meta in this. She, yeah. she plays her part. She's needed as part of the story, but she doesn't really do much. Um, and Mr. Eccleston, what do you reckon? Chris, um, yes, he's he's still very good in this, I thought. Uh, again, just the a bit under par for his doctor, really. Because mm-hmm. um, there's a bit, you know, the bit you said where we cut, when they first go up to room 500, um, and they meet the editor, and then we cut to a scene to something else. I think it's Adam getting his implant. And then we cut back, and they're suddenly in these chains, or these sort of steel... Shackles. Shackles, that's yeah. it. Um, and I was thinking, well, what happened there? Because I don't think the Dr. Rose would just stand there and put these things on. You know, what's happened between now that those two scenes? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because they, they surely would have put up a fight, or the Doctor would have got his sonic out and blown something up. But, but no, the next thing we know, they just stood there in these shackles carrying on their chat and it seemed a little bit jarring to me um mm, yeah. why they were suddenly in that situation because i was thinking well yeah there's no real threat there why would they get into these i don't know but uh, but chris i think he gives a fair performance um yeah just again there's nothing memorable there there's no there's no standout scene with with the ninth doctor mm, you know yeah. and especially when you've got Eccleston and Peg in the same room, you should have a bit of dynamite going on there, mm-hmm. um, really. And there isn't at all. No, I, you know, I hadn't thought about that. I agree with two mm. actors like that. When oh, you should have had yeah. something, yeah. It should have been like a really good, like memorable sort of face-off between the two of them, really. You really should, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I agree with you, mate. It's, um, I think he was tripped up a bit by the script. I don't think he was given anything of great substance to work with, really. I mean, the only two no. bits that I quite enjoyed from him were... Um, the the end scene where he's really miffed with Adam. That's the best bit. You know, yep. there's a bit where he's walking towards him, like very, quite imposing, and you know, mm. really lets him have it. Um, and then there's the other bit where, um, uh, Kathika is in the chair and she's fighting against, you know, the system, and the doctor's like, you know, sort of sort of commentating on what's going on as she's mm. doing it, sort of thing. That's quite good. But yeah, other than that, you know, no real complaints. He was. Still great as the Doctor. He was just, I just don't think he was given anything great to work with on this one. No, precisely. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, not too bad. No, no, he's always good. I don't think, I can't think of anything where Chris gives a particularly bad performance. He sometimes overdoes the comedy in certain episodes, but I think he's always pretty consistently good. I do yeah. like that shot you've just mentioned, actually, because I was saying about how, how the direction was so flat on this one, but... That is quite good when he sort of flips at the end and you sort of get that close-up of him stomping towards Adam mm-hmm. uh, and he looks really like uh, pretty peed off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. 
Rightio, anything else you want to mention? Like, we always do this. And but this time there isn't. <laughs> are you sure? Because a lot nine times out of ten you'll say, oh, the music. No, I mean, <laughs> Murray Gold. Um, I, I like the music in series one. It's got, it's so, it's still got Murray's feel to it, but it's slightly different, isn't it? It's almost yeah, a yeah. bit more experimental. Um, no, I didn't really notice the music much in this. Um, I did say to you before we started recording about the theme, though, um, and you agreed. It's so strange because we've, when the theme kicked in on this, it sounds so flat compared to the David Tennant theme because we were saying how good that one is uh, recently, weren't we? So I put this one on, press play, and it's like, dun, 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 dun. it's like, <laughs> oh, it hasn't got that, hasn't got that kick of the, the tenant theme, which um, yeah. I hadn't really thought much about until I put this on. Well, I think that's because um, I, I, I would imagine at the time when this was fresh and new, they probably thought it was real, you know, it had a real kick to it and it was sort of thundering along. It probably felt like that at the time. Yeah, it did. But yeah. then, you know, because Murray Gold's one of those guys that he ramped it he, up, he really does. And when we, I think um, you and I said, and a lot of people said that when uh, the 10th Doctor Adventures came out for a big finish recently, when you hear Tenant's theme, especially from series um, series four, when you hear that come thundering through, because that's got mm. a really good bass line, you know, it's really good drums and extra stuff. When you compare it to this one, it is really flat, isn't it? It did, yeah. It really and I did. don't remember it being this bland. Maybe it's just because of we're comparing it to... It, it must be because I've never ever thought that before. Yeah, I've never thought <laughs> there was anything wrong with it. It's just yeah, so just when I put it on, I was just like, oh, it sounds really <laughs> flat compared to the tenth. I think it's because we've listened to the tenth a lot. Yeah. But no, this week uh, there is no extra bits. So I haven't didn't really make that many notes uh, on this one at all. Which, um, uh, if anything, I was a little bit disappointed because I really really enjoy this series uh, mm-hmm. with Chris, um, and this is always the story that I skip. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched it for a long, long time. So I was really almost hoping it might be that one that I like that little hidden gem or that little one that I'd sort of forgotten about. And actually, this is much better than I remember. Yep. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't. It was just as I remembered it, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> right, scores then, buddy. It's your turn to go first. Um, I'm going to go 5.5 out of 10. 5.5? 5.5. Because I do think there's some good ideas in there. Okay. Um but uh, just yeah, it just falls really, really flatly. Okay, uh, yeah. my score is going to be a five. A five. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to play it right down the middle mm. because um, yeah, like we've said, there's nothing hugely to complain about in terms of um, like the the main performances of anybody. Um, like I mean, like the Doctor and Rose and stuff. But the supporting cast hugely wasted, and the story itself, um, I think. Because we've, you know, read behind the scenes a little bit about what it could have been. Yeah. The actual end result is just, um, yeah, disappointing. Disappointing. See, yeah. I was trying to find my scores from from uh, the Twelfth Doctor stories because I, I still think, even though this is under par, I still think an under par um, Eccleston story is still better than than an under par Twelfth <laughs> uh, Doctor story, and I couldn't rate it any lower than than that because I will still quite happily sit there and watch this one but I uh, just yeah I just think there is so much potential wasted in it uh, so but that's why I gave 5.5 it's I'm looking to see what I gave into Forest and like oh no Uh-oh. I must have been I must have been out of my mind when we, we did our review of Forest and Night because I gave Forest and Night 5.5 the same as this and this is definitely I definitely would watch this over Forest and Night anytime <laughs> so yeah oh dear <laughs> 
So five and five point five point five. That's good stuff. Right. So what did you guys think? Um, we got quite a few audio reviews, and we got more audio reviews than we did text reviews. So let's kick Excellent. off with that. Uh, this is Alex Kingdom. Hello, Gary, and hello, Adam. I don't know hello. why I said that. Anyway, the <laughs> longer game is the story of Adam, and it goes like this. Did you hear that? Oh wait, nothing happens. Um, basically, Adam's on the TARDIS and does nothing. Ah, he is one of the most unuseful companions, and I would have preferred Linda with a Y to be on this episode. Why bring bring her into Adam? Because she's actually relatable. She makes you interested. But anyway, there's a holy Jagrafessor, whatever, Raxophone info, and he does nothing of merit just because we need a monster. So insert monster here. But Sam and Peg's in there. Uh, that's not enough. There should be something of merit to the story, but there really isn't. And uh, although Christopher Eccleston and Billy Piper tried to save it, they can't because all they have to do is click their fingers and Adam's brain shows. I didn't even think he had a brain. <laughs> Why does he exist? I don't know. And just to clarify, I'm not talking about you, Adam. You are, like, amazing compared to this Adam. But... You know, I'm gonna have to get along. It's just a bland story. Nothing really happens. It's just set up. So I'm gonna give it a five out of ten, just because uh, it's not bad. It's not good. It's just there. See you guys next week. <laughs> Cheers, Alex. What a cool review from Alex. That is, yeah, I love it. Linda with a Y. We love Linda with a Y. <laughs> uh, let's keep the audio stuff going. This is Daniel Fox. Hello, Gary and Adam. Hope you both well. So the long game. Uh, I actually think it's probably the weakest episode of Series 1 for me. Um, although it's not awful, it's not terrible. Uh, it's just alright. It's not one I'd automatically want to go and rewatch, but it's 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 a nice one. Uh, I think the Jagrafess is scary, uh, but I don't think it's actually on screen long enough. Um, and all it really did is shout and make noises, although it is pretty creepy. Uh, Christopher Eccleston is always great in Doctor Who, so he's good in this. Billy Piper is good as well, I think. Uh, Simon Pegg, I actually think is quite a good villain. As for Adam Mitchell, let's just say, when that thing comes out of his head, I hope it hurts. <laughs> but I will give this episode a 7 out of 10, because I don't think it's that bad. Thanks guys. Thank you, Daniel. Cheers, Daniel. Strong thoughts there. Mm. Uh, this is Owen Daly. Hi, guys. Hope you were well and had a good week and the long game. Now, well, I don't really know where to start with this story because it is ranked the worst of Series 1 and I would probably agree with people who say that, but then again, I don't think it's necessarily bad. I thought I thought the Jaggerfest was a good creation and I like the editor played by Simon Pegg but it does fall into the weaker side of series one on the monster of the week side because it just didn't seem very memorable and a bit too stationary as it didn't really have it couldn't move so I didn't feel it posed any threat and the episode itself I thought the characters were a bit bland especially Adam and I know everyone hates Adam so I won't really talk too much about it because my opinions are very the same as everyone else so it's it's just one of those stories I wouldn't really rush back to watch again and I just, it's really forgettable and probably one of Russell T. Davies' weakest scripts. Uh, but that's before I talk about Love and Monsters. That's probably for a different rant. But yeah, it is one of Russell T. Davis's weaker scripts. And I would give it a 6 out of 10, I think. That's being generous. So, 
thanks and enjoy whatever is left of the show. Cheers, Aaron. Cheers. Um, yes, some consistent opinions so far on Adam. Yeah. Not you. Not me. Well, might be you. Just, just to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Ah! No, it's not you. Right. No, it's not me. Over on Facebook, Sammy Satine says, So, Rose insists that pretty boy Adam travels in the TARDIS with them at the end of the last episode. When they arrive in the supposedly fifth great and bountiful human empire, they find it is not how the Doctor thought it would be. What's really on the top floor? And why is it freezing below it? Well, meet the idiotic editor and his friend Max. Max, who is the very sharp teeth and needs to go on a diet. I really don't like Max. I like the concept of the news being downloaded directly to your brain, though, purely as a concept. I wouldn't want one of those brain things myself. Uh, props to Tamsin Grigg for her performance in this. Also, Billy is okay. Chris, at his usual best. I don't mind the story, just feel Max isn't that threatening. Also, this particular Adam is a bit of a douche. Mm -hmm. uh, I prefer Big Blue Box Podcast Adam. He's much hey. better. Uh, yeah. She gives it a 5 out of 10. <laughs> Thanks, Sammy. <laughs> um, right, Lewis Palmer says... Um, actually, Lewis Palmer. Hold on. Um, before we get on to the review, it's just uh, kick-started a thing I have to remember. Last week, we said about something to do with... David Tennant and his crawl back to the TARDIS and the Ood says something to him yeah, about the song ending and the, something like that. Um, yes, our good friend Lewis jumped immediately onto Twitter and said uh, that the Ood says, your song is ending, but the story never ends. Oh, yeah. Um, which absolutely drove me bonkers, I must admit, for a little while afterwards. So thank you, Lewis. Anyway, his review says, uh, my least favourite series one story. Uh, although I never got um, the hate for Adam, I actually quite like him. Uh, this story is just so forgettable. I can remember some people getting covered in ice, Simon Pegg brains and a big monster at the end. Uh, none of the details stick out. The ending is funny, though. Six out of ten. Uh, he says, I feel like maybe I should go and rewatch it, though, because I really can't remember. But anyway, hashtag justice for Adam. <laughs> justice for Adam. <laughs> um, right, let's do some more audio. Uh, this is Jay Kent. Hello, Gary and Adam. Hope you're doing well. Now, personally, I think The Long Game is one of the weakest episodes of Series 1, but that's only a compliment to how good Series 1 actually is. I love episodes with political undertones, and this is probably one of the biggest of the modern era. Not only does the ep take a modern concept of television and make it unique, something that episodes like The Bells of St John fail to do, but it uses it to create a statement on how the media influences people without being too obvious, but without being too subtle as well. I feel like people give Adam a lot of hate, but I feel as if his character is supposed to be unlikable, because a bad person doesn't necessarily equate to a badly written character, and of course it's always brilliant to see Simon Pegg on his top form, and and it's brilliant not to see a comedian in a comedic role. <coughs> no, no, sorry, what was that? Ah, oh, Santa Claus! Uh, sorry, a bad cough. There. But I feel like this is one of the underrated episodes, I could say, and it definitely deserves more love. Uh, so, yeah, I, I hope you're having a good podcast. See you next time with your Jagger of Belly news head spikes the things. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Jay. The ever entertaining Jay Kent. Good stuff. Um, right, back on Facebook, Ben Smith says, The only Series 1 story I'm not very fond of. Uh, it's not terrible, just bland and forgettable. Adam is annoying, Simon Pegg is a wasted, and the monster is quite stupid. Can't remember much about it, but I'll give it a 4 out of 10. 
Yeah. Um, right, more audio. This is Joe Sweeney. Hello again, Adam. Hope you guys are well. So, the long game is not a bad episode of Series 1. It's I like, the, I like the concept behind it all when the Doctor... Rose and Adam arrive on um, Sad Life 5 and also learned that there's been controlled and um, manipulated by the mighty Jack Affairs by, by broadcasting news. It's, um, it's got quite got, got a fair pacing to it, um, but um, I, don't, I find the, the editor um, not very... Um, f- 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 Threatening or not very sinister, but Simon Pegg did get did gave him um, a fair good p- performance. Christopher Eccleston was was brilliant as always as a doctor. Rose was okay, but Adam I found far too reckless, and he's such a buffoon character. I'm glad the doctor ditched him back at his home and said he can no longer travel with him. And the Mighty Jacker Fest was really quite well thought up. So overall, not a bad episode. So I'll give a score of. Um, a 7 out of 10. Hope you enjoy the podcast, guys. Speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers, Joe. Cheers, Joe. And I'm loving the use of the word buffoon. Buffoon. Always <laughs> good. Yeah. Um, I think that's our highest score for this so far from Joe. 7 yeah. out of 10. Um, yeah, so let's uh, do the last audio. Uh, this is Who Addicts Reviews, Matt Rowney. Hey there, Gary and Adam. I hope you two are very, very well. Now, the long game is a difficult one for me to review just because I've not seen it in that long, so do forgive me. But what I do remember about the long game is it's not as bad as what most people think. And I think it is a perfect example as to how strong Series 1 is, but not in the way that you would think. Because, in my opinion, the long game is the weakest episode of Series 1, and some people might not agree, But I think we can all say it's one of the weakest episodes, at least. But it's still quite good, and it's still quite solid. And again, that's credit to how good and consistent and strong Series 1 is. Now, The Long Game as an episode on its own, I think's okay. I mean, the setting of... I can never remember if it's Satellite 5 or Platform 1. I always get mixed up. But the setting was quite good, and I found the whole mystery of what was happening on Floor 500 really intriguing, you know, seeing what was happening to all of the... The, the characters when they went up there and when they, we did go up there seeing all the skulls was rather gruesome and I did find the mighty Jagrafess of the Holy Hydrogenic Max Rodenfell <sighs> quite a <laughs> unique and quite a different villain so yeah, the villain was good the characters were good, the Doctor and Rose were good the only two downsides I could say is I thought Simon Pegg as good of an actor as he is I thought the editor was a little bit too comedic and the greatest companion in Doctor Who history being Adam Mitchell was just outstanding no, I'm only joking, he was a he is the. I'll tell you what Adam Mitchell is. He is the Jar Jar Binks of of the <laughs> long game. He is what Jar Jar Binks was in the Phantom Menace to what Adam Mitchell is in the long game. There we go. That's that's the perfect way to sum it up. But yeah, the long game's not as bad as what everyone thinks. It's a credit to series one, and I'd probably give it a strong six out of ten, which even then seems a little bit harsh. Take care, guys. Some interesting ones there, Matt. Yes, I, he's really summed up. Yeah. Well, summed up well there because like series one is strong isn't it so even though this is possibly the weakest episode in series one mm-hmm. it's still a good episode so that that's uh that saves a lot i think yeah just stuff mm. uh lastly on facebook callum johnston uh good story um seen bad among other great stories uh, yeah adam was awful but i like the idea of it all and simon Pegg was good as expected six out of ten yeah yeah did you have anything to throw on the geek's handbag page 
yes, I did. Yes. Um, just while I find it, I just want to say how great it is that we've had so many um, audio clips this week because it makes me feel like we've got a really nice, cosy little group of listeners. So thanks to everyone who sent them in because it's been great. Loved it. Um, on Geeks and Baguette, I just had one comment, which was from uh, Harry Westergaard. Oh, Harry. He says, Harry, yep. Yeah. Um, he says, probably the weakest of Series 1, but even then it's not terrible. Very mer. Simon Pegg is fun, though, and it sets up for one of my favourite stories, The Pattern of the Ways. Not terrible, just very average, Harry says. Which okay. is spot on, I think, Harry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'd say but there's a pretty much consistent uh, opinion there um, across the board. A load of fours and fives. Mm. Uh, and I think the word that really pops up, um, that pops up a lot, that's really... Um, uh, sort of sums up for a lot of people, you and I included, is that it's forgettable. Yeah, it gets lost. You know, and I hate that about Doctor Who. I would rather have like a real terrible episode or an amazing episode, but at least you remember some key things from it. Mm. Um, and I, I, I can't, that's one of the things that I really don't like is indifference. So when you have, um, you know, a, a high caliber show like Doctor Who, but then you have a story like this one where it's just literally is forgettable. Mm. You know, you know, you can remember like the the elements of the story, but you can't remember like a conversation really between two characters. You can't remember. Oh, what did he say at that bit? Because I remember his head opened, but that's about it. I can't remember anything else. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's a big disappointment that this is a forgettable episode. Um, but at we- the same time, you know, it is what it is. I was going to say, actually, the one that's just popped in my head, which I had forgotten about right till now, is Boomtown as well. I think this one and Boomtown are possibly the most, like you said, they sort of get lost in between the other stories. Um, Yeah. But they're both good in their own way, I think. But, yeah, they they kind of get get trampled on (laughs) with with the other great stuff in Series 1, I think. Yeah, Mm. true. Rightio. um, What are we going to do next week, dude? Next week, a bit of Fifth Doctor action. Uh, this is a <laughs> this is a strange one. This isn't it. This is going to be really interesting to review. Uh, Mordrin Undead, we're doing next week, um, which is the first part of the Black Guardian trilogy. So, um, yes. do you know what? Even now, I can hear a bit of <laughs> instrumental music in my head, which is already making me smile. So, I'm really looking forward to that. Mordrin yes. Undead. Yes, and the Black Guardian trilogy. It's one of those very loosely based. Um, sort of, you know, when we, if you hear people say about the Black Guardian, mm. um, it's not quite what you think. It doesn't. He doesn't really. The Black Guardian doesn't really play a massive boy. Yeah, I can't get deep enough for that boy. boy. Yeah, so it's quite a loosely based trilogy, I would say. It is because um, I did worry about that when we first said about doing. It, I was thinking, yeah, but can we do just one? But yeah, I think we can. I think we can. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, we can. Um, so, Mordred Undead. Um, fifth Doctor action if you're into your Fifth Doctor or if you're not and you want to see it that's a good thing um, you know what's coming up you've got like nearly a week to get out and watch it or buy it or whatever we'd love to hear your views and opinions it'd be really good yeah. um, right before we close the show um, we're just going to announce our competition winner so last week uh, we told you that we're going to give away a book uh, the target book The Genesis of the Daleks um, I'm going to be really picky here now there isn't a the is there it's just Genesis of the Daleks yes <laughs> Let, let's, let's be factually accurate let's get with this right. stuff yeah mm. and we set an example even though we're the worst at it let's give it a go <laughs> so the target book genesis of the daleks the reissue and um, we asked you who was the cover artist for the book 
And Adam, please tell us, because you're so good at pronouncing a name, who was the cover artist? It's uh, Chris Ilios. <laughs> yes. And it must be spelt correctly. No, it's Chris Achilios. Achilles. Chris Achilles. That's the one. Was the uh, the artist. And um, let me just throw... So we got um, we got a decent amount of people over on Twitter and Facebook. Um, mm. So I've thrown them all into uh, a spreadsheet. I'm going to hit the randomizer. Bear with. Bear with. Right, we have a victor. Who is it? <laughs> Drumroll, please. Right, winner of the book is George Garrity. Yay, well done, George. Uh, George entered over on Twitter, and his Twitter name is G underscore unit 91. So well done, George. Um, we'll be in touch um, shortly after this episode goes out tomorrow. So well done, and we'll get it posted out to you. Um, yes, enjoy. Genesis well of the Dark. Yeah. And I think we're going to close there, buddy, for 97. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us for episode 97. <laughs> so um <laughs> a bit light on news but that's to be expected really because yeah. the only things that are going on at the moment is series 10 is underway um so it's good seeing the odd set pick maybe we'll have some more in-depth stuff to tell you next week if anything mm-hmm. pops up um but otherwise it's just merch rolling true <laughs> yeah um so actually yeah next week um uh, before our episode goes out is the Titan release of Supremacy of the Cybermen which is out on the Wednesday so if you're out and about in London or if you've got any local comic book shops near you remember to whiz in and pick that up because I think that's going to be a good one mm. I think that's going to be a good story so that's out on Wednesday right head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk from there you can listen to all of the previous shows and you can also um, subscribe on iTunes and some other places that suit your preference and if you are an iTunes listener if you could give us a rating and a review on iTunes that would be absolutely amazing thank you very much um, and you can also from the website go off to Facebook and Twitter and follow us and like and all that good stuff uh, remember to check out Adam's uh, channel The Geek's Handbag over on YouTube and Facebook uh, your last video was great mate oh cheers the steelbooks steelbooks yeah love a good and- steelbook any of them catch your eye? Um, they've reduced the, they've reduced the price, you know. Like, um, yeah, they're, they're actually if you if you can get it at the right price, they keep coming down. Do you know what? I might have to um, I might have to take the plunge and get the old um, uh, the very old Peter Cushing yes, uh, nice. stories because the seal books look really nice of those. You've got the best one though. You've got Spearhead, haven't you? Got Spearhead, yeah. It's oh, great. it's a beauty. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Uh, yeah, so do remember to uh, check out Adam's stuff and give him a subscribe and a like and a uh, follow and a poke and whatever it is <laughs> that you do on whatever social channel you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> and and if you haven't booked your ticket yet for London Film and Comic Con, mm. make sure you do that because I have a feeling they're going to go pretty soon. It's coming, coming around quick. It is coming around quick. And also it's an excuse to bump into us. Yay! Hey! Will we be cosplaying? Oh, I'm not sure it's going to be too warm in there, I think, for cosplaying. Oh, Shorts and t-shirt, yeah, mate. Last time. Yeah. Oh, last time was sweltering, yeah. Yes. Anyways, 
have a fantastic week and uh, we will see you next week for episode 98 but until then my name's Gary my name's Adam and remember uh, 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 u